Good to have you here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, being, being, tri- what, what is that? <laughs> you know, you leave, you take a little vacation, hey, man, listen, you enjoy and you come yourself. back That's and you listen. go, we got being man, troop on the show. Listen, listen, you enjoyed yourself. Got, got, got Apparently. Got southern twang. I don't know what that was, Ben. I apologize. <laughs> we got being troop on the show. Listen, wherever you went, I'm try- wherever you went, I'm trying to go. Let's just know that. I'm trying to go there. Come back, have a different mm-hmm. accent. All at the end. Uh, you, you, the... you went. Uh, you went. Uh, was what's what's, uh, what's the head coach at LSU? You went wherever he. Yeah, went. I did. <laughs> I did. I boy, I just went full Brian Kelly on the show. I, Brian I, Kelly, like that's that, Kevin Thomas. He knows, he knows my pain. He does it. He just went on a nice vacation. Yeah, on my family. <laughs> We're on a family vacation. <laughs> Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out. Kevin and Ben, uh, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We are live, ESPNCoastal.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, you can log in and follow the show uh, there as well. Plenty to get to. we got spring practices winding down this week. Florida's actually got their spring game coming up on Thursday. Georgia coming up this weekend. Alabama's coming up. Uh, this weekend as well, we'll chat with David Waters, Gators Breakdown. He will join us uh, in hour number one. Rich Tiles of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show will join us. And home team, Brandon Leak will join us, co-host of home team and Hamilton. We'll talk about uh, the Braves and their start. Also, the Hawks uh, are in the play-in game against uh, Charlotte starting tomorrow. A one-and-done situation there for the ATL. And uh, Ben, again, I was out last week. Uh the kiddos were out on uh, on spring break, and Braves season gets started. Braves two and two going into last night. They get shellacked by the Nationals. Uh, they're now two and three coming into tonight's ball game. Going to pitch a young man in Bryce Elder making his major league debut after they're going to you know incorporate the sixth starter mm-hmm. uh, that they had talked about. Maybe not going this route. I, I think a lot of folks thought it was going to be Spencer Strider or Tucker Davidson. Both of them pitched last night. Uh, because of the short start by Waskari Noah. So the Braves having to make some roster moves just to get starting pitching uh, for tonight. But are you concerned at all? And again, I, I will play the B.J. Bennett role here for me. Are you concerned at all about the Braves back in pitching uh, on the uh, starting rotation, given that uh, Ian Anderson had a bad end to spring? His first outing uh, Sunday was not good. Waskari Noah's outing yesterday, not good. And the Braves are digging into the uh, the minor leagues to get a starter for tonight's ball game. I'm not. I, I go back to Kevin and what you know, something we talked about before the show. We act as if this offseason was anything but irregular. It was not normal. The, the, every All the players, while well, you hear a quote where they was all working out in Arizona, I wonder how much of that is more baseball-specific. It's really, listen, stay in shape to make sure that whenever there is, the, the lockout is over and we have a season, I'm ready to go. And it was kind of like the 5 o'clock hour came. They got, they, got, they, they got negotiated. Everybody's flying to their respective cities. And it's early in the season. Like, I look at the first part of baseball kind of like the first month of football. You're trying to work out the kinks. You don't really know what you have yet. Now, if this is the last month of the season, very concerning. But, I mean, five games in, I mean, not to give them any pub, by the way, but, you know, the Yankees ain't really scaring nobody right now either. It's early, right? So some of the best teams usually find their niche. I get it, Kevin. I mean, Snicker made some kind of sketchy, uh, you know, uh, decisions when it comes to the starters, but – I just think that it's baseball. It's, it's the fifth game. You understand you're going to have some slip-ups. It was ugly. I mean, everybody wanted to be this. Now, opening day was still crazy. I mean, everybody got a different opening day. It had like three open days in a row. You got, yeah. you got Wednesday, <laughs> you got Thursday, you got Friday, you got Saturday. But I think that when it comes to this Braves team, they're going to figure it out. 
You really don't know what you have yet. Everybody's just trying to kind of get there, you know, trying to get them early season jitters out the way. But I'm not I'm not too concerned about it now. Yes, I mean, the thing about baseball is a team that's really bad can look really good on night. And a team that's really good can look really bad one night. But I think this Braves team is they built for the long haul. Thank God it's a, you know, they still got a hundred and what, fifty something more to go. <laughs> I think it'll be just fine. But you know, you just gotta, you know, snitch just understanding how to how do you you know really work this uh you know work this bullpen, work this rotation. And I, I think it'll be just fine. Yeah, only 157 more nights <laughs> yeah. to figure this thing out. And again, I think they will I I I know people look at it and go, oh, that's a you know, bad start, bad start. And I, I tell people Everything is magnified, as you said, Ben, in sports. Everything is magnified at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, especially in you know the NBA or Major League Baseball that have you know just really, really long regular seasons where it's like, oh, they're off to a 2-8 and eight start. It's like, well, you got some time to figure it out. Don't read too much into it. I, right now you're hanging around 500. Uh, if you will forget, last year they didn't even get above 500 until you know July or August. Uh, last year, uh, they were you know floating with that line. So they're playing okay baseball. They've had some some bad nights. They've had some good nights. I think the good you take away is this team most nights has been able to pitch pretty well outside of a couple starts. Their bullpen has been nice, and I think Snickers trying to not overuse them. You know, early. I think Matt Olson's been nice. He's been off to I think coming into last night's game, and he did get a hit, but he was hitting like five sixty coming into last night's game. Uh, had, had done really well. Marcelo Zuna who a lot of folks were kind of up in the air about. Like, obviously you got your off-the-field stuff that a lot of people weren't too cool with, with with, with how those, some of those things played out. Don't know how they feel about him being on a team uh, in some respects, but he has come out and looked pretty good, uh, considering he hasn't played in a Major League Baseball game in almost a year. So I, I, I think he's off to a good start. Now Dansby's off to a horrid start, uh, but I, I think you see the, the makings of a team that is going to add Ronald Acuna Jr., at some point, uh, whether it be in three weeks, four weeks, he's going to be back in the lineup either as a DH or all the way back out there at some point, and that makes his team uh, you know, even that much more dangerous uh, once he comes back. So I think the fact that this Braves team is holding its own, uh, obviously Cincinnati and Washington, it's not, you know, it's not the Blue Jays and the, and the Dodgers, the first two series, but you'll see the Padres and the Dodgers coming up as an early test. I, I'm not overly concerned with what they're doing. I think all the fanfare... This first week has been awesome from, you know, hoisting the championship banner to, you know, getting that celebration to, you know, the ring ceremony to last night, the fans uh, getting rings, uh, uh, you know, replica rings. I think they're going to do that a couple more times. It's been a really cool start to the season. Uh, don't get caught up uh, to me in a couple of bad losses to the Nationals. Again, if, if it was June 20th and the Braves lost 11-2, to two, Nobody would say anything. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, sometimes you just get your butt kicked, and that's all it is it, it, when, when it comes. I mean, and people say it's baseball. It's really every sport where you see it. It's, you know, sometimes you just get, uh, you just get your butt kicked. You, yeah. don't, you really One don't know why. It yeah. just happens, and it's going to happen. So uh, I don't read too much into it. Interesting to see uh, this kid, Bryce Elder, make his start tonight because I think one thing that has sustained the Braves, Ben, is they've been really deep. With pitching, and it's like if this guy doesn't work, you go to that guy. If this guy doesn't work, you go to that guy. And the Braves have had that luxury. Yeah, they have. And I, I even going back to what you said, Kevin. It kind of goes back to what you said about the eyes on baseball. These the same scrutiny that the Braves are going through. You wouldn't have had that had you not got this done. 
And I think sometimes we forget. Look, the Braves matter to baseball, and they matter nationally. You can't say that about every team. The Braves are the defending the World Series champ. So everything they do now is being talked about outside of Atlanta. It used to be, okay, yeah, you know, Atlanta media, I get it. But now it's, it's across baseball. I mean, the Braves are going to get a lot more primetime games this year. That 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 partnership, you know, they're talking about those, what, Friday night games? They're going to be, they're gonna be or one of those teams is going to get a chance to be a part of that. But it, it's, it's when you think about baseball, it's who fails the least. You're going to fail a lot in baseball, a lot. But so the guy that had the best season, man, I just didn't fail as much as the guys <laughs> around right, yeah. me. But, you, you know, but I, I do think that when you think about this Braves team, a guy like Matt Olson, look, I mean, he's going to talk, they're going to, Hopefully, at a certain point, Snit won't talk about Freddie Free anymore. Like, look, man, we're not going to talk about Freddie Free anymore. We're obviously going to talk about him when the, when the Dodgers do come to town and we have to give him, you know, his ring because he was a big part. He's going to go from a lot of cheers to the, to a lot of boos when he comes up for his first at bat. But this Braves team, I think, is built for the long haul, Kevin. We, we you forget. I mean, they listen. They two, what they two and three. Uh, you know, you're going to get Ronald Acuna uh, Jr., as you mentioned. Ho- you're going to get Mike Soroka, hopefully, uh, at some time this season. That's the biggest question, Mark. You don't know when you're going to add him. How is he going to look whenever he does get back to line But I don't think it's nothing to worry about too much. I think Dansby, just like I, just like I also rallied a couple of years ago, might be pressing at the plate. Like, sometimes when you're coming off a season like that, that infield had last year, you can't live up to the billing at every – get back to just being comfortable. Good at good. Quality at bats. Don't be out there hacking at the freaking balls. It's going to be fine. But it is five games in. Uh, it is, you know, talking about a Braves team that's got, that's got obviously postseason aspirations. Can't win the World Series in the first five games. The goal is to, you know, uh, make sure you're still in contention before the All-Star break. Put some distance between you and second and, second and third place after the All-Star break. Get back to the playoffs and see what can happen. But I'm not getting too worried. I know BJ isn't on today. I know he will be, oh, these games count. It's going to be just fine. It, look, man, we are talking about we're talking about April, the fifth game. I think I think this Braves team is going to be just fine. The culture of the Braves to me is what keeps them afloat. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm interested to watch this team as they round into form and get back to full strength. Uh, again, we've seen uh, a team that made it through without Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think you know I I kind of went back when I we, we were coming back from vacation. I sat down and watched some of the Braves highlights from a season ago because you know, I was trying to get back into the season and you realize that. Ronald Acuna played about half the season, and you're like, what a weapon that guy is in the in the lineup, and you didn't have him for, for half the year, and you're missing that right now. A guy that, and you have some of it, I think Austin Riley, Matt Olin, but you start chaining those guys together in the in the order and say, man, I can't really pitch around this guy. I can't really pitch around this guy. Uh, and and you, you do that from the jump when Acuna is in that leadoff spot, and I think it's going to be just a shot in the arm offensively when he comes back, and I hope that's sooner rather than later. we got so much to get to uh, here on the show. We're getting close to the draft, coming off the uh, the Masters last week. you got the RBC on Hilton Head, so all kinds of things going on. We're glad that you are with us here on this Tuesday. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskinner Radio. We are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Tuesday, two weeks away, a little bit more, uh, a couple of days, two weeks away from the NFL draft. Ben, where are you sitting here as we're, we're two weeks out? Pretty much all the pro days are done. Uh, it's all over but the drafting. Uh, maybe a few trades you know, here and there, but uh, a lot of people are sold. The Jags are going to take Aiden Hutchinson, but you've seen a lot of Trayvon Walker. 
uh, Apparently, Trip Balky really likes the young man out of Georgia. Could be pre-draft smoke. Could be pre-draft hype. Could be diversion tactics uh, to keep people. Uh, but, I mean, I've I, I never really understood, unless you're trying to trade the pick, the need for pre-draft diversion. And, I mean, again, you're picking number one. You can take whoever you want. Deking somebody out of who you're going to take at number one, I don't think really does anything. But where are you at here with, with, with Jacksonville? Is it going to be Aiden Hutchinson, or do you think that's been put out there? We've seen it year, year time and time where this guy's number one, this guy's number one, this guy's number one, this guy's number one, and then it's somebody else. Do you feel that's going to be it with the Jags when everybody seems like they're locked in on Aiden Hutchinson? Yeah, I think it is going to be Aiden Hutchinson when it's all said and done. I think, Kevin, nothing, no, no pick is more scrutinized in the NFL than the number one overall pick. They try to they try to nitpick every single thing about this person. Do I think that Aiden Hutchinson is the best player in this draft? No, I, I, I do not think he's the best player. But when you think about a guy who either – if it's not going to be a quarterback, it should be either a left tackle or a guy that chases quarterbacks. Does Aiden Hutchinson fit the bill? Yeah, coming from a big-time college. I mean, Peak had an incredible year this year. Everybody talking about you don't want to watch the Georgia tape. Well, you know how many people want to throw out the Georgia tape? That will be everybody not named Alabama in the SEC championship game because Alabama ain't going to be looking at the, the national championship. Georgia had their way with everybody this year. Trevon Walker is, is a guy who beat uh, uh, Kevin, who's uh, definitely uh, you know springing up these um, draft boards because of potential. He's a freak. He is a physical freak. What scares me about physical freaks is this: Trevon Walker is has about as much upside as you can get, but you can't negate who he was around. Like if a guy's a physical freak and he's been a physical freak from day one, I get it, but. I remember when you know you you know you talk about a guy like uh, like uh, Julius Peppers coming out of North Carolina. Well, he's a physical freak on the football field, and he was in the NCAA, and he was in the freaking NCAA tournament. You know, I think I mean Jadavion Clowney. What did he do his junior year? Try not to get hurt. He had displayed everything his sophomore year to kind of show you. The thing about a guy like Javon Walker, we act like he ain't gonna have Nicobe Dean or Wyatt. Or Jordan Davis, or you know, or Tinsdale. You're gonna have a bunch of guys. A sign. It was a bunch of guys on that defense. But I will say, Aiden Hutchinson. I always look at this. Whoever was the first name to come out before all the mock drafts, it was Aiden Hutchinson. Then here come the mock drafts. Here come the pro days. Here come the combines. Here come the here come the scrutiny. I now if they get Javon Walker. I wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, I just think Aiden Hutchinson. I think Kevin has to be the number one pick. Has to be number you know a, a guy that has tremendous potential, but the safe pick. And I think that's going to be Aiden Hutchinson when it's all said and done. I just think when you look at a team like Jacksonville's picking number one overall in back-to-back seasons, that means your team needs a lot. I mean, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, you put him on the other side of a guy, you know, like Josh Allen. You see the you see the kind of moves they made uh, in the offseason as well as the draft. They should be. I don't know if they're going to contend in twenty twenty two, but yeah, for me, I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think Jacksonville do not control the media, do not control all these mock drafts. Everybody who got any type of platform got a freaking mock draft these days. It's going to be mock draft 7.0 before the freaking uh, uh, draft happens. But, no, I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. You know, it was 6'6", six, six, almost 6'7", six, 265, prototypical size, can turn the corner, everything you ask for. Uh, you know, he's not built to stop the run now, but I think that's something you can definitely teach him. Javon Walker, a physical freak, you know, with the measurables. But for me, Kevin, is all saying that, I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end out of Michigan. Look, I look. I, I think it's going to be an interesting pick for Jacksonville because, again, we've seen it with the Atlanta Falcons franchise. You whiff on the defensive end, yeah, and it it really creates a lot of problems. Uh, you can whiff on an offensive tackle, and he's just to me not as good. To me, to me, it seems like 
We, sorry, Ben, you, you make a bad offensive tackle pick? Yeah. That's still a guy that's probably going to play seven or eight years in the league? Yeah. You make a bad defensive end pick? That guy's out of the league in three years. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's just a guy, and he didn't help you out. I mean, we've seen that with the Falcons time and time again where, I mean, there were people that, you know, have have accused the, uh, who was it, Sam Baker, number first-round pick, Atlanta Falcons. Was he a great tackle? No. Did he play in the league a long time? Yes, he did, and he was not considered uh, to be a success uh, as a first-round tackle pick, much less the number one overall pick. So I just look at, uh, at Jacksonville as like, if you are not 100% sold on Aiden Hudson and he got, again, you keep going back to it, and I, I got annihilated by that Georgia offensive line. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and people say, well, outside of that, like, well, I'm sorry, you, you can't just throw out, I get they're outliers, but you can't just throw out the best competition you faced all season long and say, well, we're not going to watch that. Well, well, why not? You're going to see a league full of Georgia offensive lines. Probably see a league full of a lot of guys from Ohio State. I understand he did well there, but Georgia was the number one team in the country. You went up against them, and you got schemed out of the entire ball game. Yeah. And there was nothing you can do that and, and do about it. And, and Ben, I know you said, look, great players can overcome schemes, right? If you get schemed against, you got to figure out a way to still make plays. I, I worry about that, that you go after a guy that the, the, the one thing that stands out in a negative light, everybody says, don't look at that. And I'm kind of going, well, well, why not? I mean, Trayvon Walker may not be, or Trayvon Walker may not be the guy that gets it done for you either. But he's made a lot of plays. Yes. He has a lot of great, uh, you know, offensive lines yes. as well there, and, and was was making plays against Alabama, who has wasn't their best offensive line. And when people say that on oh, their line, was it's still a pretty dang good offensive line. It just wasn't Alabama good, uh, and, and he was still out there, you know, making plays. So I'm interested to see what Jacksonville does. I'm starting to feel like Aiden Hudson would be a little bit of a smoke screen. They go somewhere else. But if they take him, I think that young man's got a lot to prove coming right in as a rush end. And you better be productive early. Yeah, he, he does have a lot to prove. He, he's going to have a lot to prove, one, if he's the number one overall pick. Because let's face it, if I look at the perception of it, Kevin. If you're the number one pick in the NBA draft, you consider to be the, the best prospect coming out. You're the number one pick. You know, Anthony Bennett, who went, you know, number one overall. I mean, like that I said, year. whether that's true or not. You know, I mean, exactly. Like, now, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson is what you said. It's almost like, well, what makes Tra- Trevon Walker a better, you know, prospect? Well, he was in the SEC. I was on the best team all year long. I was on the best defense all year long that was giving up zero touchdowns. I mean, we we shut out like four or five teams. in, in co- Forget the SEC. In college football, that's unheard of, shutting teams out. I played beside, I played beside you know, I mean, you know, guys like Jordan Davis. I get it. But I'm going to go over. I'm going to be the number one. I'm going to be the first guy taken from that defense. And I didn't win. You know, I, I was the first team All-American like Jordan Davis or, or the Buckets Award winner, you know, uh, like N'Kobe Dean. And I did it against offenses every week. We go into a game, talking about Tennessee, talking about Florida, talking about Kentucky, talking about South Carolina. Come out of the game, that wasn't much of it. They dominate those guys. Why? But look at the guys they have. So I do think Javon Walker is going to get a lot of attention because – I mean, Kevin, it's like that movie, I think, you know, the Ricky or whatever it is with Dennis Quaid. Look, man, yeah. I got a dude 40-some years old throwing 90 miles an hour. Now, if I don't – if I – listen, if I if I call my boss and say I got a 40-some year old throwing 90 miles an hour, he going to laugh at me. But if I don't call him, I'm going to lose my freaking job. Trevon Walker, you got to give him a look because nowadays the Pixar, can this dude hurt us if we don't get him? What if he gets picked in our division and we got to deal with him for the next, you know – Cam New was the number one overall pick in that draft. Who was number two? Von Miller. They beat each other in the Super Bowl. Von Miller, Super Bowl MVP. 
That's what you. That's what really goes into these picks. But look, I do think Aiden Hutchinson understands. I got that. If I'm the number one overall pick, I have to come in. I got to stop the run. And Tim, they gonna talk about it. Hey man, uh, Warren McClendon. How good is yeah, he? Yeah, well, he well, I mean, because when we saw when we saw him against you, I mean, it was bad. I I, I had to ask which one is the number one overall pick. The guy that's getting pancake. Oh, not the guy that's. Oh, I thought it was, you know, so I do think he got a lot to prove. I think he'll be fine. I think it just comes with being a first, number one overall pick or a first first round pick in general. But uh, like I said, if you are Jacksonville, you get your pick a little. All of them looking at you, you got to pick the best one. I don't think, I, I, I'm pretty firm it's not going to be a quarterback. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I think it's not going to be. Outside of that, I think I well, think, I think all bets are off. I mean, well, well, speaking of all bets are off, do you have any idea what Atlanta is going to do? I mean, Again, because you look at these mock drafts, and it's all over the place. From wide receiver to safety to do they take an offensive lineman? Uh, If they can get one, does a defensive lineman drop in that fits? I mean, it is literally mock draft all over the place, and a lot of people think the draft is going to turn on what Atlanta decides to do uh, because it could start a run on a certain position. Do you have any clue what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are trying to do there at 8? I do. I do not. And, and we're, think, two, and we're two weeks out from this. Yeah, thing, so. I, I do not. I mean, I've seen if Kayvon Thibodeau drops, maybe you get him. I've seen, you know, if Kyle Hamilton drops, you get him. I've seen, you know, wide receivers. I've seen, you know, you know, different wide receivers. Garrison, you know, uh, you know, a uh, Gary Wilson, or you know, uh, you know, Drake London. And the thing about it is, Kevin, they got so many holes to fill. I mean, yes, they've sort of kind of addressed some things in the offseason, but you're getting guys that you know their their contracts ain't making, you know. Uh, you know, ESPN bottom line they ain't breaking news, <laughs> right? Because you know they ain't breaking the bank. But <sighs> if a defensive end is there, like a Kayvon Thibodeau, I think you have to get him because you need a defensive end so bad. I mean, you need, and I know they got Lorenzo Carter, former Georgia Bulldog, but I mean he's been in the league four years now. He has eleven and a half, I think, fourteen and a half career sacks. That's in four years. So we'll, we'll and he signed a one year deal. That's another prove it deal. So we'll see, Kevin. But yeah, once again. Atlanta, they they gonna they gonna put the, they gonna do the little you know like like the lottery. They are gonna put their hand in there, whatever they pull out, because they need so much. But I think if a defensive end is there, they get them. But I I would not be shocked if they did not go offensive and get and get a wide receiver because that offensive line, my goodness, man. If Evan Neal is there, you got. We'll see what happens because the draft is so so crazy. Those top five picks would decide just what what type of. What type of talent they get to pick from? Yeah, I think Atlanta might be a candidate to trade back, but they need so yes, much. Yes, they do. So much, uh, so much help all over the place. We'll see what they decide to do. Again, it's coming up about two weeks, uh, a little bit more than two weeks, uh, until we get to draft night number one uh, coming up. We'll come back. We've got a big week this week, college football, spring practices uh, taking place, coming to an end. Georgia, I think, gets the uh, you know Christian Gokel second down, was uh, kind of uh, noted – Georgia Bulldog fan Christian Gokel was like, uh, you know, Georgia's got their spring game this week. I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, uh, he's like, they're playing in the heat of the day. It's like, why? So they can be on, you know, SEC Network? And I was just asking the question. He's like, he goes, no, when you're, when you're defending champs, you get ESPN too. I was like, okay then. <laughs> he said, they put Alabama on SEC Network. They got those dogs. <laughs> I on ESPN too. I, I was like, "There you go." So Georgia's uh, spring practice coming to it. What's your air on SEC Network during sometime next week? Yeah, yeah. during the week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Georgia's uh, spring practice coming yeah. to an end on Friday. Florida's coming to an end on Thursday. Yes. So two days they will have the spring game. David Waters Gators breakdown will join us when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out. 
On this Tuesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Spring practices winding down. Florida's got a uh, spring game coming up on Thursday. Here to uh, chat with us about that from Gators Breakdown, David Waters joins us here on the show. David, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Like you said, uh, a couple more days till uh, we get to see Billy Napier's team for the, the first time in his image. All right, so David, Thursday. Why uh, Why Thursday? We've seen a lot of uh, programs do the Thursday night, Friday night thing. Not so much in the SEC. Why is Florida going Thursday night? Yeah, I think um, it definitely caught some people uh, off guard when Florida originally did schedule it for this Saturday. But uh, about two weeks ago, we decided to, to move it to Thursday. And I think if you look at the schedule on Saturday, you can probably see why. You know, Alabama has their spring game on Saturday, Georgia – I think Tennessee, South Carolina, some of the Florida schools have their Saturday as well. Uh, FSU had theirs last week, so you don't have to worry about that one. But it was getting kind of crowded uh, Saturday for spring games. So uh, I believe the the major reason, uh, you know, the crowd, the just your normal fan crowd probably won't be that big, it being on a Thursday. But you can best bet now your recruiting crowd, <laughs> all the recruits that – may have been split between Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee and South Carolina. You know, but with a recruit had interest in all those schools, well, now Florida's by themselves on Thursday night. So if you got some guys that can make the drive, especially in driving distance of Gainesville, uh, don't get out of school on Thursday, probably don't have school on Friday because of Good Friday and the Easter holidays, so now they can ride to Gainesville and, and take uh, you know, go, go to that game, take in that game before they go off to Georgia or Alabama or on Saturday. So I think it was a smart move by Billy Nature to get – uh, recruits in uh, and let recruits see uh, this team uh, for, for the first time under Billy Napier, but it probably will hold the fans back a bit. Florida has had to deal with this spring. I mean, what what should we expect on Thursday? Obviously, it's going to be scripted, but what type of what you know what what should be the expectation come Thursday? We're dealing with trying to make sure you might be just counting healthy bodies on the orange and the blue team. Yeah, Bill, uh, Ben, for sure. Uh, you're looking at the tight end position in particular for where Florida, the, the injuries have kind of added up, and you had a transfer as well uh, with Gage Wilcox transferring out and then the injuries to Nick Elksmith uh, and Jonathan Odom. So Florida, you know, luckily, uh, Dante Zanders, who had played some tight end, moved to defense, and now moved back to uh, tight end, has impressed the coaches of the last couple of weeks and him having to step in. So he gives Florida another option besides Keon Zipper on Thursday night. Uh, there, but Ben, I mean, just kind of going through and what we're looking at. Of course, we want to see some single players. We want to see Anthony Richardson and the quarterbacks play well. You know, we want to see some big runs from the running backs. That's kind of lacked from Florida uh, the last few years, uh, tackling and physicality on defense. But uh, Ben, that, that, that's kind of where I'll go. You know, the tackling, the physicality, all the things that you can control. That's what I want to see Thursday night. I want to see a team play smart and not have a lot of penalties. I want to see the effort out there. I want to see uh, the physicality. And like Billy Napier has said, you know, do the things that you can control. And that's what Florida can control uh, going out there. Of course, we want to clean performance from the quarterbacks, no interceptions or, or, or limited interceptions, limited turnovers altogether. Uh, maybe the defense of trying to create some turnovers. Uh, that's the beauty of spring ball. Uh, one side does one player does well, well, on the same team, another player does bad. So you got to kind of figure out how to – you know, checks and balances for a spring game, but being really just a lot of the basics: tackle, no turnovers, play some smart football, no penalties. Uh, that's what I, that's, those are the first things that I'll be looking for Thursday night. And and David, I know Billy Napier's come in and and kind of you know tried to spice things up. Do you expect the spring game to be kind of 
Bland, from that perspective, obviously you're thin at some spots, and it may not necessarily be true ones, V1s. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, do you expect it to be kind of let's not show much uh, situation where I know people like to read in those spring games, but you think it'll be pretty vanilla and just get out of there and, and hope nobody gets injured much? Uh, I think a little bit, but also you know, Billy Napier's offense just in general, it's, I mean, it's, look, it's not fun and gun, Steve Spurrier. It's not Florida 2020 offense. Um, one reason, because of what Florida has. Florida's deep at running back. Florida has an experienced offensive line. Florida's going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to run the ball in spring game Thursday night. They're going to want to run the ball uh, coming up this season. So that might sound boring, but that's what Florida is built for. So I think we'll see plenty of that Thursday night. And I think the biggest question is, and they haven't told us yet, but the team will be broken up uh, into you know two separate teams, of course, split into two teams. And those two teams are going to practice this week with those teams. So uh, it won't be brand-new teams. They'll be kind of used to playing with each other when they head head out head out on the field uh, Thursday night. But we don't know how that's going to be broken up. We don't know if it's one versus twos, if it's going to be mixed match, uh, and how the two teams will be constructed. I'd, I'd like to probably see ones versus twos because at least you get your starting offensive line. Your starting defensive line used to playing together. Uh, the, the quarterback one playing with the wide receiver, you know, the first-team wide receiver. So – I, I think it would probably benefit, but you know, Billy Napier knows you know, he'll forget more football than I'll ever know, so he knows how to do this. Uh, but for me, just to kind of maybe gleam a little more out of it, I would like to see the, the, the first-team offense versus the first-team defense. That's how it's going to be broken up, uh, just so we get some some semblance of, of some competition and maybe we can take away a little more. But as you said, you, you start getting in a little bit of trouble when you start wanting to take away a lot of these uh, – Start a lot of takeaways from spring games because look, they're going to work on things that they have struggled on. They're going to work on certain things they want to see, how Anthony Richardson reacts to a certain defense, how a defense reacts to a running quarterback, uh, you know, all those things like that. So you know, they'll be working on some things that they want to see from a coaching staff as well. And, Dave, I know obviously uh, us being two days away from the spring game, how would you judge Billy Napier's first spring? I mean, he came in with a splash. I mean, made sure that he was, you know, coaching the Sun Belt Championship game before he did, you know, take over full-time at Florida. You look at all the different coaches he's brought in. You look at what he did in the transfer portal. You look at what he did with the recruiting class. How, but how would you how would you rate his first spring? Yeah, I mean, you hear the same message from, from, from a lot of the players. I know you've had them on podcasts, and you've talked to them, and I've talked to a few players. We get media sessions with them as well, and, you know, attention to detail is something that keeps coming up. But then, more likely, it, it does seem like he has gotten through to the players that he cares, uh, that he cares in, in fixing living arrangements, that he's cared in fixing food arrangements, and the parking situation where uh, now the player is like, hey, you know, why, why wasn't this – Stuff kind of done before, so I do. Then I think once you kind of build that culture where guys start looking at, uh, they care more, uh, or they they feel that there is a, a sense of care more from the coaching staff, and and I think that uh, goes and, and disperses out to the players. The players start caring about each other just a little bit more. Uh, then you want to go play. You want to go play harder out there for for your teammates and for your coaches. You don't want to disappoint each other. So. Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, more of a, a culture thing. And, look, I know that sounds cliche when the new head coach comes in. Everybody says, oh, the culture is different. But, Ben, you, you know just as good as I do, some of the issues that uh, you know, Florida has really kind of dealt with the last couple of seasons kind of dating back to the end of that 2020 season, a lack of account- accountability, a lack of trust. Well, it does seem like Billy Napier is trying to put in the foundation, put in the groundwork to turn those things around. And there's some immediate results already that we can tell. 
David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and David, what has been decided, if anything, in spring ball? You, you talked about cliches, so I'll throw one out there. It's like, oh, it's open competition. Uh, has anything been decided, wrapped up, uh, so to speak, here in spring to where, you know, barring injury, these these positions are already settled going into the fall? Yeah, I still think, you know, going back to the beginning of spring and, and going to now, I would say Anthony Richardson would be first team starting quarterback. Uh, now, if he goes out there Thursday and has a really good performance, I, I do wonder. I've asked myself this question. I've asked some, some of my listeners this question. If he does go out there, Anthony Richardson, and has a really good performance, would Billy Napier go ahead and name him the starter? Or would there be some gamesmanship of trying to keep it a little bit secret because you play Utah game one? You don't necessarily uh, want to you know, let, let them – game plan against him, but you know, there's some film out there from him last year. It, you know, it could benefit the team to know who the leader is at quarterback and rally around him uh, through the summer and going into fall camp. Uh, offensive line, I think probably one of the biggest surprises are you know, Josh Braun. Um, the, he may be more of a backup uh, role at that right guard spot behind uh, Osiris Torrance, uh, but Florida's Starting five at offensive line probably solidified uh, already with some guys who played a lot of football last year. You got some transfers, as I mentioned, Osiris Torrance from Louisiana. Maybe the only the, the new part would be Michael Tarquin at right tackle. So offensive line may be a little more solidified uh, by someone we didn't see, Tarquin taking over uh, more so for Josh Braun and Josh Braun being that backup piece more on the inside and not the outside. Uh, and defense, the one black at linebacker, he's really shown out to uh, – through spring, I think Ventral Miller will head up that Mike linebacker spot right there in the middle of that defense. But DeJuan Black at the wheel linebacker spot, I think, uh, gives Florida some experience with Ventral Miller and then gives the linebacker core a lot of athletic versatility with DeJuan Black at the wheel spot. So all the other spots, you know, Jason Marshall at cornerback one, I think that's solidified uh, right there. No surprise there. But I still think we'll go into fall with a lot of other defensive, uh, defensive position battles going on. Dave, you talk about uh, Billy Neighbor coming in and making sure these players know that he that he cares. We talk about the uh, the food situation, you talk about the parking situation, but some of these coaches he brought in a big time. And you talk about Mike Peterson, you talk about Corey Raymond, you talk about Sean Spencer, Captain Chaos. Talk about the coaching staff a little bit and how they've made their impression felt with these guys in such a short amount of time. Yeah, but that's probably one of the things I've been impressed with so much. Or you know, this whole spring, all these whole press conferences are the first time we've gotten to speak to these new coaches uh, that Billy Neighbors brought in. I've been impressed with pretty much all of them. Uh, you know, Jay Bateman, a linebacker, was thought to be kind of this uh, hard nose, he had an army background, comes over from North Carolina. I thought he was pretty personable uh, in his approach. But listening to these cornerbacks speaking to the detail that Corey Raymond brings as the defensive backs coach. Uh, that they necessarily didn't have before and how just one little misstep can be the difference in how they're playing and uh, how, uh, what the, what your eyes are doing you know, pre-snap during the play uh, and, and all that and how it just makes those little bit of differences, the, the attention to detail, not only from Napier but from these coaches as well. Uh, and, and Piegler, the tight end coach, he comes over from Michigan State as a running backs coach, was football scoops running backs coach of the year last year, had never coached running backs. He gets that award last year, and now is a first-time tight end coach. Uh, and now he's dealing with all these injuries, but he was still upbeat last week when we talked to him. You, know, you hope that he would be able to replicate uh, his success at the running back position at Michigan State last year, do the same thing at the tight end position for Florida this year. So, uh, Ben, uh, a lot of these you know, players wanted uh, a couple of coaches from the last half to hang around because they were, you know, they were comfortable. But I do think it has 
come around pretty quick. Uh, that what we have seen through talking to these coaches, that I think you can see why these players have quickly caught on uh, about all the culture change going on with Billy Napier and his staff. David Waters, Gators Breakdown, our guest here on 3 and Out Spring Game coming up on Thursday night there in Gainesville. David, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. David Waters joining us here, Gators Breakdown on 3 and Out. And Ben, as he said, uh, going to Thursday night. Why? Because, well, recruits can show up on Thursday night when you're the only game in town. Yeah, and then when he get to breaking down how many teams actually got their spring games on Saturday, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, you don't want to. You don't want to be. I mean, when you talk about picking programming, I mean, obviously you're going to get your fan base, but you're going to get all eyes on you. And whenever you can cater to the current crop of players that being recruiting, the lifeblood of any college program, Kevin. I mean, I, I understand if you had some plans for Saturday, you got the you know hotels, what may have you. <laughs> hey, Billy Napier trying to do what's best for the orange and blue. We'll see. He'll say we'll see you in the swamp. On Thursday night. There you go. And uh, George has got theirs coming up on Saturday as they will be the defending national champs uh, finishing up there in uh, spring ball. We'll talk more about that coming up later this week. We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. You can also follow us live streaming uh, video as well. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Speaking of spring games, uh, Ben Troop, Auburn had theirs over the weekend. Former Benedictine quarterback Holden Gurner, 9 of 11, 71 yards and a touchdown under 30 seconds to uh, try to tie the game up. And I think they went for two in the spring game because who wants to play overtime in the spring, right? Uh, and they didn't get it, but let them down the field with a, ch- with a chance to tie it up in the spring game, 9 of 11, 71 yards and TD. You want to you want to know why uh, these young guns coming in should scare you? Because you put fear in your heart if you are already on the team. Guys don't show up early, graduate early from high school because they ain't ready. They do that because they are ready. Oh, yes, and the last time we saw him, he was throwing bombs in the, in the, uh, in the Mercedes-Benz dome. <laughs> and the, uh, Georgia State. Yeah, I'm sorry, Georgia State. I apologize. Outside of, uh, yeah. apologize. But, yeah, uh, obviously not much uh, drop-off there moving on to uh, to Auburn, but I know he has gotten a lot of raves from Brian Harson. and their quarterback situation uh, is a little bit up. I know they got a transfer in that uh, I think people expect to start, but mm-hmm. uh, with what he's done in the spring, a lot of people talk about his poise and the way he can, can can run the offense under control, never say never been uh, at the end of the day. Coach Harson needs all the good publicity he can get at this point. He <laughs> wants to get as far away from last season as he possibly can. But, yeah, the young man out of, you know, Benedictin, uh, really, really looking good, Kevin. I mean, if it's close, it's going to go to the young guy. But that lets the guy that transferred in, he thought, hey, man, we didn't know this kid was going to be this good. <laughs> so, yes, they're going to give it to the transfer now because he's coming in with college experience. But that don't mean he's going to be the starter at the end of the year. We'll see yeah, what happens I, I, come, again, come the fall. Ben, speak to that. I mean, you talk all the time about, hey, I came in as a freshman, like, your eyes were that big. Yes. Talk about playing, and we've seen it more and more as the year, as the season going. True freshman starting SEC and all that is uh, encompassed in being the starting quarterback not just at a major college, but just a, a starting quarterback in college. You got about a minute. So, uh, so much more pressure on these guys, Kevin, because you've seen some really, really good true freshman quarterbacks come in and have success. That's not the barometer for every quarterback, but if you show glimpses of, of a guy that did it at a previous school, that gives you a one up on the guy that's the guys is already. There. It's all about recruiting. And if a guy was this was supposed to be his senior year of college, high school, or his or at least his second semester, he's already in school. That means uh, the guy seems to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, it's going to be. Look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there at Auburn. I think Ben said it. Like, they are one of the more intriguing stories to follow. They could finish last, 
they they could be right up there. I mean, who knows what happens there at Auburn? We got more to come here on Three and Out Rich Styles. We'll talk some Masters with him, RBC Heritage, this week as well on Hilton Head. He'll join us next hour. We'll take three next here on Three and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back here three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, or Ben, as I tried to call you uh, back in hour number one. Glad you're with us here Coach, on the show. Coach, Coach Kelly, it's, 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 going, it's from the bayou all the way to the coast. Yes, I went to the days. Brian Kelly School of Dialect <laughs> uh, over, over my vacation. It was a fun trip. Uh, should very much take your family uh, when, uh, when you get a moment. But, no, so much to get to this hour. Rich Style is going to join us, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, coming off a tremendous Masters. Uh, there in Augusta, you got the RBC Heritage coming up on Hilton Head uh, this week as well. So he'll join us coming up in just a little bit. That being said, Ben, let's take three here on a three and out. All right, take one. What are you looking forward to most at the UGA spring game coming up on Saturday? Uh, well, I mean, I want to be able to see how how that D line gonna look, replacing guys like a Tra- Trayvon Walker, like guys like. Uh, you know, Jordan Davis. I mean, but I'm going to be looking to see really mostly Stetson Bennett, just, re, you know, just showing why he is the clear-cut number one. I know it's always this fake controversy. We wanted to be a quarterback controversy, you know, going into the spring because that just sounds good. Stetson Bennett has meant more to the to this, to this uh, Georgia football team in the last three years than anybody I've ever seen. That's taking nothing away from what Jake Fromm was able to do with his three years there. So I think to watch Stetson Bennett solidify himself as the clear-cut number one, who's going to be that solid number two? Are they going to try to run the football? Who's going to be the receivers? Cause I know, I know. I mean, cause I know George Pickens missed all last year. Was able to come back in the playoffs and obviously the national championship. I mean, you know, a Burton. I think he's moved on to Alabama yeah. now. So who's going to be the receivers? Who's going to be the tight ends? Because Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers. But I uh, really D line, Stetson, backup QBs and receivers. I'm interested in the quarterback spot. I know that's the sexy thing to say, and I'm not even so concerned about Stetson. Ben, I, I think Stetson's going to be the starter. But to me, the intrigue is if Brock Vandegrift is number two. Coming out of spring, I mean, people were surprised Carson Beck's still there now. Yeah. Uh, is Carson Beck still sticking around? Did he stick around just for spring to see if he could be the number two guy, i.e., I'm a twisted ankle away from being the guy? I mean, that's right. I mean, that's basically how Stetson Bennett became the starter, right? He, JT Daniels had a little bit of an injury. Stetson comes in. He wins games. We're not going to take him out. We're winning games, right? I mean, so I, I think that's... Very interesting to see what Carson Beck does uh, in the spring game and if that affects his decision. If he, if he comes out of the spring, if it's like, hey, no, you're not number one, you're number two. Or you're number three, rather. Does he transfer? Does he stick it out? Is he, look, I just wanted me, again, from all you read, Brock Vandegrift uh, and soon to be Gunnar Stockton, they all want to be George Bulldogs. Well, can't one person play at a time? Ben, as you know, at the quarterback spot. So what is the takeaway post-spring, and I know it's a spring game. What they do probably in that game doesn't mean a hill of beans. Could it affect two or three? Maybe. But I'm interested to see what Carson Beck does in the game and what happens post-game uh, if he does decide to to transfer after the fact. It's going to be your last impression, uh, Kevin, before you come back for the summer. You know... So like when it, when it, when it comes when it comes to coaching at any level, I mean, every time you go out there as a player, that's when you're making your impressions. For you, you're trying to gain trust of the coach. Stetson Bennett has done that over the last three years. 
And obviously, you know, I mean, the, the icing on the cake was the national championship. Getting, you know, uh, you know, uh, getting back from a loss, you know, for, you know, that you suffered against that same team, just what, uh, you know, what three or four weeks earlier in, yeah. in the SEC championship game. If you start talking about Carson Beck, you start talking about you know Vandergriff and those guys, you got to prove that you can be uh, relied upon. The thing about the quarterback position of, of any position in sports is, is trust. You got to have the trust of your teammates. You got to have the trust of the coaches. Have you got to have the trust of your head coach? So I think with the, with that backup quarterback spot is you're right, Kevin. It's like hey, look that transfer portal. Oh, it's gonna be serious after the spring game because now guys really know because they know. If especially if you've been here, if I'm a freshman, I'm naive. I don't know what the spring really means yet. I'm still comparing spring college football to spring high school football. It is not the same. Coming out of the spring, guys are going to be saying, I ain't kidding myself no more, man. I've been here a couple of years. I know how this goes. And I know there's another recruiting cycle coming in 2023. So I'm not dealing with this another year. So, yes, Kevin, I do think that quarterback that quarterback room, definitely the number two and number three, uh, whoever's – because JT Daniels, we still ain't, he still ain't pick, figured out where he's going to go right. in the transfer portal. But I do think, yeah, those that second and third, because like you said, Kevin, that is a good way to look at it. You are, you are twisting ankle away. You are, you are, you know, you are bad hit away from being a starter, but – Number number two and number three in college might as well be number two and number ten. Number three will not get in in the regular season. All right, moving on, take two. Hawks, the I think the actual play in round starts tonight, but the Hawks play the uh, Charlotte Hornets in the play in round tomorrow. Do the Hawks have playoff magic in them, Ben, or has this team just lost some of its mojo from a year ago? I do think they got playoff magic in them, Kevin. But the problem is, I mean, you're going up against, you know, uh, you, you know, a team, uh, you know, uh, like like Charlotte. Uh, I mean, you talking about you talking about like you know uh, Lamelo Ball and those guys. They're going to go out there and really make it happen. They're a young scrapper team, and the guy with you know Michael Jordan's you know team, by the way, who want to go out there and try to do. They kind of want to be the Hawks of 2021 and 2022. Let it be this young team who. Really been scratching and clawing, kind of building through the draft, trying to take that time. And you got a young superstar like the Mellow Ball. He's not, you know, Trey Young, but he ain't, as far as like the future phases of the NBA, oh, he's definitely that. This kid is flat out, you know, our box office. But I think this Hawks team do got the problem is the East has gotten really, really good. I mean, the East has got, I mean, they top to bottom, they're really, really good, starting with the Heat. You're talking about Milwaukee. I just think that for this, for this Hawks team, if they can get in, you know, Kevin. I mean, you get it. You get the kind of ebbs and flows of a, of a, of a series because I'm seeing what our weaknesses are, what our strengths are. To me, it come down with the Hawks. One thing: can you be active on the defensive end? You don't have to be locked down. You don't have to make that your moniker. Can you be active on the defensive end? If they can find a way to get in the playing game, I think that make them a very dangerous team because it seems like the teams like Milwaukee and the Heat, they seem to play the best teams in that conference a little bit better than the lower echelon. Teams. Yeah, it seems like they just never have found it this year. I know they made the coaching change. I went with Nate McMillan. They took off in an extra gear, but it seems like they never, never really found it uh, this year. They were so far behind right out of the gate, playing so poor early that they they never really got their their, their way back in it. And they said they got to win one to get in. I yeah. mean, you're in, the, you're in that playing game against Charlotte. Is is there anything more random? Maybe and maybe not. Is there anything more random than one baseball game or no. one NBA it's, game? I mean, no. it's like like anything could happen. Yeah, in it's, one it's game. not it's not a true it's not a true depiction of you know like the teams themselves. It's like the playing game in, in in MLB. All right, so we didn't we get one game to get in, and that team ends up going really really far because once again, did we really supposed to be here? Well, yeah, yes I mean, and no, if you because you did get in. But I think I think with the I think with the Hawks though. They're going to have to put their best foot forward. Like, in a, that kind of gets you ready for the playoffs. And, look, this this is our season. If we lose, that's it. We already can, you know, plan our vacations. 
If not, we get a chance to go in because I don't care if you're number one or you're number eight. You find a way to get in that thing. I think I think this Hawks team got a shot, Kevin, if they do get in. But that Charlotte team is not going to make life easy for them. Yeah, I mean, I, again, we'll, we'll see. I feel like this team has never really hit that spurt like they did when they made that coaching change and just – Went the, and by and large, Ben, it's the same players. Yeah. By and yeah. Large, I mean, there's been a few changes. Don't get me wrong. But by and large, it's the same players you had uh, last year. All right, moving on. Take three. Draft coming up in a little more than two weeks. How random do you think the draft actually is? Because Trent Baalke is going to get a lot of crap regardless of what happens at number one. Right? I mean, if it's great, Baden Hutchinson's great, they'll be like, well, he got lucky. If he stinks, they'll be like, Trent Baalke stinks, doesn't know how to draft talent. Same thing could be said. Over at the, on the Falcons side with, you know, Terry Fontenot. Oh, Terry Fontenot just botched the draft. Well, did he? Or did some things break? Like, how random do you think this is? Because, again, in your draft experience, people were saying, hey, you could, you could be a first-round pick. You weren't. You were a second-round pick. Not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but it's mm-hmm. like it is so random pick to pick. I'm, I'm cruising along. Draft's going good for me. I'm at pick 10. Pick 9 takes the guy I really want. Now I have to go back and plan B. Plan B didn't fit as good as plan A did. And now all of a sudden I'm a draft bum because my draft didn't work out. It's gonna be it's gonna be very very random and a very very unpredictable, Kevin. As well it should be, right? What the thing about the draft that we don't give enough credit for is how complicated it is. No one wants to be able to say like they want the oohs and the eyes. Ooh, that's a good. But oh, oh, they got that guy, and you got to live with it. You got to live with whatever pick you get. I until I don't see, you know, three, maybe four quarterbacks going the first round. I know everybody's talking about Pickett and Willis. But then I'm seeing some Howell. Then I'm seeing some Corral. I'm telling and, and the thing about it is too, Kevin, look, the only the most unpredictable one might be pick one. We really we think it's gonna be Aiden Hutchinson. At first it was supposed to be Evan Neal. Javon Walker is a freak. We 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 just don't know. And that's what makes the NFL draft or really the first round so intriguing is. We just don't know. Like, it's, it's that when you go, what? And then you, because a lot, think about if you're on these teams, if you are Sam Darnold or, or Cam Newton in Carolina and they get a quarterback, what well, one of y'all got to go. If not all of y'all, well, they're going to keep one because they don't want to just throw the young guy in there. If you are Atlanta, if Atlanta gets a quarterback, with all this time we've been hearing about, oh, you got Marcus Mariota and you want to get a quarter of a receiver, you want to get a defensive player, you want to get a, a defensive piece. I mean, I, I just think that what I what I find to be the most intriguing thing about the draft is we don't know. We're not in these draft rooms. I was I was home. 2005 when we got Pac-Man Jones, who was the number one defensive player taken in the twenty in the 2005 draft. We were, Ken, uh, Keith Bully had a basketball celebrity basketball game. This is how much we knew about Pac-Man. They stopped the game. They said the Titans just selected Pac-Man Jones, cornerback out at West Virginia. We looked around at each other. Passed the ball, kept, no one knew who Pac-Man was. Obviously, he ended up having an incredible career, even though he had his uh, ups and downs. 20, 2006, we get Vince Young. Got Vince Young in the first round, got Lindell White in the second round. I I was t- While I wanted Vince Young, because obviously I saw what he did in that Rose Bowl, come to find out, Jeff Fisher wanted Matt Leonard. Why? USC, I mean, Jeff Fisher went to USC. You got USC ties, obviously, with Matt Leonard. But, I mean... He said what Norm Chow was the Yeah, Norm, you know, Norm Chow was the offensive coordinator. But I mean, you know, Mr. Adams, you know, uh, the owner from Houston. Who where's Vince Young from? He's from Houston. Who did Mr. Adams also, you know, a Bud Adams also draft? He that that would be A1 Steve McNair, right? Who was in the Houston Oilers? 
Who mentored? Who was a mentor to Vince Young? That would be uh, you know, uh, you know, Steve McNair. And we had a celeb- we had a celebrity like softball game that Vince Young and uh, Steve McNair was out there, and it was also almost like passing the torch. But Kevin, like I said, these draft rooms, they only show them like when they say, "Are right, the pick is up." They don't show the chaos. Then when they then they show all the handshakes and the high fives when you get the pick. But I hear I hear that uh, outside of Mike Vrabel, he I don't know what his draft room. Be looking like I mean, he got people doing all kind of stuff. I think I think I think the draft is about as unpredictable as it gets. I think it's going to be wild this year too. Yeah, and again, if the Jags don't pick Aiden Hutchinson, that messes everything up from yep. from the jump. So yep. it's like I mean, it's it's one of those things where I just look at the draft and it's um you know hey this guy's a bum. This guy doesn't know how to draft. This guy never has good draft. Now, when you make trades. And those trades don't pan out. I think maybe that would. But if you go straight draft and you're like, man, some of the, just the numbers, as you have often said, the the numbers tell you that at least half of your draft class isn't going to pan out, right? I mean, like you want them to, you really need them to, but the numbers say half of them aren't going to make it more yep. than two years. Well, yes. I mean, look, I, the thing about it is, Kevin, we we had to say, oh my God, they got him. Dude, so really we, everybody we, stinks we, in draft. Somebody, yeah, somebody <laughs> said this. How many, how many draft picks can we remember the, the, the year the year prior? We only knowing the stars. Like oh, who don't know who you know? I don't know Odell Beckham Jr. is. Who don't know Tom Brady got drafted in two thousand, and he's still there. I'm pretty sure he's the last remaining guy <laughs> on the two thousand draft class. But I, I just think sometimes Kevin is. It's always, we could have got that guy. We could have got that guy. Well, no, you're only going to get one. You looked in the basket that had, you know, 200-some well, guys in it. I mean, just think about how random it, it potentially is. I mean, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Was Aaron Rodgers a guy that they were like, oh, man, this guy is going to be a really stud? Or at mid-20s, where they sitting there going, well, we need a quarterback. Yep. He's there. And he, we, and we he, like did, him. he didn't play for three I'm years. saying we like him. Yes. We'll take him. Yes. Uh, and you did, you, now it was like, oh, he's the modern-day GOAT. You know, it's like, oh, so, oh, you never know. You know. Alex Smith was the number one pick in the 2005 draft, right? Uh, I remember when A-Rod was sitting there in the, in the green room like, yeah, man, you know, talking real somber and all this. We we look at what guys become. Man, we could have had Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, based off, what, 16, 17 years later? No, it's, you know, you got you got Peyton Manning for 14 years. When he when he misses his last year, who do you get? A- Andrew Luck. I mean, sometimes you know the the the, 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 the football guys just open up the you know open up the gates and they, they get. But but where is he? He's no longer with the team. He's, but there, but there was already, a debate about whether you should take him or RG three. I mean, there was, who, the, who went who went number two? RG three was at the combine throwing footballs to the draftees. He works for ESPN now. So I I, I just think Kevin too. Once again, even though he's no longer with the Falcons, you want to draft a Matt Ryan. You want to draft a guy that's going to be there for a decade plus, going to take you from the dark ages to perennial playoffs, hopefully go to a Super Bowl, win an MVP, not his fault you lost a Super Bowl, because most guys, they're not going to do that. I mean, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick five years ago, and he's not going to be a Cleveland Brown. They got another quarterback not named Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so I, 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 I just think that, Kevin, we, we don't know. We just look at how guys end up and say, man, we could have had that guy. Yeah, totally. I mean, random. I, I, I do think uh, there is some science to it, but to me, just random how it all uh, kind of plays out. We've got more to come. Rich Styles back. Nine boys set to join us. Unbelievable Masters setting up for a nice week there at uh, the RBC Heritage on Hilton Head. This is 3 and Out.
Good to have you back here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for being with us. You can uh, catch us streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, our YouTube channel at ESPN Coastal. Uh, check us out uh, there as well, ESPNCoastal.com, uh, for a live audio stream going on as well. We'll hear from Rich Styles coming up in just a little bit. But then want to touch back on something we were talking about, you know, Georgia and the spring game and, you know, who potentially transfers uh, afterwards. And how many guys do you think we'll see transfer after spring practice and is that actually a better way to do it in a lot of cases rather than guys bailing late season mid-season right after the uh, the season is over I know there's a lot of pressure to go ahead and get your name you know Spencer Rattler guys like that go ahead and jump in the, in the portal but why don't more guys stick it out through spring to see where they land on that depth chart before they jump out into what is becoming a extremely crowded transfer portal. I think the guys that wait till after to do it right after the season, they kind of see the writing on the wall already, realize I'm not going to put myself through another spring, especially when I'm going to have to deal with another uh, recruiting cycle coming up. I think the guys that wait till after the spring, Kevin, got it, got, they kind of get to see, okay, have I gotten better in another year? Have, have I moved up? In the depth chart, have I created a role? Because the hardest thing in college to do is to create a role for yourself. And the, 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 the position you got to be the most patient at is the quarterback position. The quarterback position and O-line. Because those guys do not – those are six positions. They are not interchangeable. They are not coming out. They play every snap unless it's garbage time. And then, well, you know, you know the second stringers get in. But I do think I do think when you talk about guys who decided to wait to transfer in the spring, those guys, one, they got a better understanding of the transfer portal, hopefully. They got a better understanding of, okay, I, I really can go to a team to where I can really be having a chance to, you know, compete for snaps in the fall, in the summer. And, 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 and Kevin, they farther along in college. Like, the thing about college is the, the farther along you get into it, the more you better understand. You're not the same, you're not the same student you are as a junior that you were as a freshman. You understand the schedule. Same thing goes with sports. And I think you can accept the truth more. It's hard to accept the truth when you're a freshman. Everything sounds like criticism. What you mean I got to work on this? What you mean I'm not big enough? What you mean I'm not strong enough? That we well, we brought you in here because you have potential. Once we put our, you know, once we put our spin on you, then you should be ready. But I think Junior, my, my listen, my senior year, the only reason why I knew I was ready because I had went through the ACE. I wasn't ready for three years. I was talented enough, but I wasn't ready. Talent alone is not enough. Like, oh, he's talented. And? Or... Not not to call anybody out, but Aaron Murray saying, Oh, I think uh, you know, uh, I think Carson Beck got the biggest arm at Georgia. And who's the best quarterback? So I think that after the spring, Kevin, you got more of a barometer of, okay, number one, I'm in good shape. I came through another spring healthy. I can really reach out to a coach now and say, Hey, I'm really gonna do this. You really got a spot for me. It's almost like you learn how to recruit yourself at that point. No more. You know, everybody got to do it for you. and But I will say this. One time should be a charm. These guys that, not to call them out, but all these, I, you know, this is this second school, third school. Look, you got to pick a school at a certain point and stick with it because, unfortunately, you got 85 scholarship guys. A bunch of guys going to go through college and not going to play. Like, like it's what we talked about, Kevin, with our minor league baseball. You know how hard it is to make it to the bigs? You know, you got you got to gut it out. So I but I do think the guys that go through the spring, they are gonna be highly sought after guys. And Kevin, think about this too. Do I do I stay P five? Do I go, do I go G five and get a chance to play? Do I go HBCU and get it? Cause at the end of the day, do you wanna play or do you wanna be a you know a brand ambassador for a big brand? Yeah, look, I, I think it's very interesting. 
uh, just to see post spring uh, who decides to, to to transfer. As you said, maybe that's more of the writing uh, on the wall. But I, I, I like you said, I, I get weary of guys who have transferred two or three times. Two or three times. I say, look, I get one. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. It's like there's probably a reason at some point why you keep moving. Uh, and, and it's probably not because all the all the teams weren't the right fit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it was you uh, at that point. But I, I do wonder that, I, I, you know, interesting to see how this plays out uh, at Georgia, specifically right here in our state, to say, hey, if Carson Beck's number two coming out of spring, is that enough to make him want to stay? Is that enough? And again, I, I'm not trying to force him out, but all the talking points have been Brock Brandegriff. Four or five star quarterback. Yeah. Gutter Stockton, four or five star quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you're a four star quarterback. Hasn't played a whole lot yet. You're all behind Stetson Bennett. Uh, only one of y'all can play. And one of you is running out of years. And that's and, and that's Carson Beck if you uh if you want to play. And as you said, Ben, they'll always look to play the younger guy who you can have potentially more time with. But you know, Kirby Smart's feeling it from another front. It's like, hey, I want to continue to recruit five star quarterbacks. As you're talking, we were talking about this off the air. Okay, Gunnar Stockton, big time recruit. Brock Vandegrift, big time recruit. Carson Beck was a four star recruit. Oh, there, there, there's a guy that George is also in on, named Arch Manning. Yep. Is Arch? Who everybody? Who you already know? Wherever he signs, I hope you're getting ready to get out of there. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, I think Kirby Smart's looking at it and say, look, if you're a quarterback and say, hey, look, if Arch Manning comes here, I think I can beat him out. But what if I don't? I, you know, so I, I, so I, I yeah. think I think you 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 have a you know there's pressure to play guys if you're Kirby Smart. Obviously, they're not going to stop recruiting guys at the quarterback spot. And if you're coming out of spring, and I'm Carson Beck, and you're still third, maybe you maybe you're even like fake second. You know, like I, and, and you say that because he was kind of fake second last year. Yeah. JT Daniels goes down. Oh, Carson Beck's here. Nope. Stetson jumps over everybody yeah. and comes in. Uh, you know, if I'm Carson Beck, I'm evaluating all that. I think about this with Kevin. I mean, people, listen, I'm going to say this and people can get mad at me. <laughs> Recruiting is bigger than the national championship. It is bigger than it. No, it ain't big. Yes, it is. Because it doesn't stop. But recruiting never stops now. Like, when the last time Michigan won a national championship? They just as big of a brand as Georgia is. When the last time Florida won that championship? Just as big of a brand. Now, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, I get it. Clemson has one bad year. We don't even talk about them. Had one bad year. Kevin it really Durant. wasn't that bad. Exactly. They still won <laughs> 10 games. Oh, my God, they're the worst. Recruiting is the lifeblood. Arch Manning. Huh? The nephews of the nephews of Eli and Peyton, right? I think what's happening is, Kevin, it's, it's one of those things. Think about this with Carson Beck. They told Carson Beck he would have a chance to play, and they were saying the only guy you got to be out is Jake Fromm. Who was this Stetson dude? He wasn't even on the radar. He wasn't even on campus. That's the one thing they can't tell you about. Listen, recruiting is like GPS. Put in a destination, and it's going to get you there. They don't give you weather conditions. They don't give you traffic. They don't give you potholes. <laughs> they don't they give you the car in front of you. They keep on slamming on brakes. And you say, so all I'm saying is Carson Beck is more of a true barometer of college football because sometimes, Kevin, the one thing that no one wants to do is wait and wait patiently. Because waiting for what? Because guess what? Y'all was just on the national championship team. Guess what I'm going to ask Carson about? Stetson. Because he was a quarterback. So I'm just saying, it, it, right, wrong, indifferent, they don't tell you that, hey, man, when they say you might get four years to get a quality education, you might be doing that while playing sports. It just happens. <laughs> We've got more to come. 
here on Three and Out. Rich Styles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, will join us. What a Masters week and getting ready for the RBC Heritage, uh, which tees off on Thursday there at Hilton Head. This is Three and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, three and out on this Tuesday. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Big weekend there in Augusta for one. Scotty Scheffler, Rich Styles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, joining us here on the program. Rich, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I uh, doing fantastic. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, man, uh, what a story. Uh, I'll put it in, in perspective. Rich, what this guy has done over the last couple of months, uh, a, a meteoric rise to number one, at the, what, the fastest number one player to win a major other than Tiger Woods and David Duvall, and he smoked them out of the water in terms of how long it took him to get to that feed. I mean, what type of a, a run is he on right now on the PGA Tour? Well, incredible. Um, he is on a Tiger-type run where he's won four out of the last six tournaments that he's entered. Uh, he's now won a major uh, on his first official PGA trip to Augusta, and I think this is his first of many majors. And uh, now I think a lot of people are going to call him Master Chef. And Rich, when you think about a guy like Master Chef, when you think about the type of you know, it's what I what I like the most about these guys is when, the one thing golf does it gives us a chance to dive into the person's like you know uh, you know personal life. I mean, you're not trying to get all up in their business, but. I mean, a family man. They kept showing his his wife, uh, you know, you know, at the final hole. I mean, just talk about the type of individual he is. And golf to me is always searching for the next face of golf. Is is it is it Master Chef? Oh gosh, yes. I mean, Scotty is 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 just incredible. I mean, even his instructor Randy Smith was talking about. He's worked with this guy for a long time. He's been playing golf since he was seven years old. He's probably got the same wedges that he's had since he was seven years old. You don't want to change those as good as he played them. But, I mean, he's a, he's a, a family guy. Uh, he's, he's strong in his faith. Um, I mean, the interview that he did after winning the Masters saying that he gives God all the glory is just, is just incredible to have that kind of a platform. And, I mean, he has just played tremendous. His short game is it's just unstoppable. I mean, he gets up and down from places that people don't get up and down. And if he does get a bogey, which it doesn't happen very often, he backs it up with a birdie. So, I mean, he four-putted on the last hold of the Masters to still win by three. I think he kind of lost his concentration once he got up and realized, you know, hey, I'm, I'm one or two putts away from winning the Masters, and I think he lost focus a little bit on the last hold. But you got to give the guy a lot of credit. I mean, he's been in there. He's, he was the only guy on the Ryder Cup team without a PGA Tour win um, last year. And now look, four out of six, major, the Masters, he's just on a roll, and I don't think he wants to get off that train. Uh, certainly, Rich, and, and golf, as you said, continue to look for, for that face. And you started off by saying Scotty Scheffler on a Tiger-like run, and, and, and that's probably an unfair uh, comparison for anybody in the in the game of golf, but... What, in your opinion, makes it more uh, him more Tiger-like and maybe not more jo uh, Jordan Spieth-like where you have a quick rise and then you just kind of fade into the pack? Well, we'll see what happens on that. I mean, there's no way to predict that. I mean, he's taken this week off, which you can't blame the guy. Uh, he's been on an incredible run, but, 
you know, in order to get on the PGA Tour and win, it's extremely difficult. You can ask anybody that's won or anybody that's not won yet how hard it is with all these young guns coming up and all these other people who can play and do play on the tour. But to have a chance to win four tournaments in six starts and one of those, the Masters, uh, I mean, that's just an incredible run. It, you know, it, Jordan Spieth had his run, and yes, he did fall because I think he started to listen to a lot of people about his swing of how he could make it better or hit it farther. Uh, but I think Scotty is his own person. Um, he's there because he loves the game. Um, and his dream was to get on the PGA Tour, and his dream was to win the Masters. Now he's got to set some new goals and go out there and keep dominating like he's been doing. And with a game like his, as young as he is at 25, he can dominate for a long time. And, Rich, I mean, speaking of guys, I mean, being one of the faces of golf, a guy that had an incredible final round, Roy McIlroy. I mean, everybody knows that he still needs the Masters to have that grand slam. Talk about him as a golfer and how well he played in the final round. A lot of people say his his biggest thing in majors is he gets into his own head and kind of gets away from his game a little bit. Yeah, I think he does get into his own head. I think he expects himself to be better in the majors, and I think he he presses himself a lot more and ends up, uh, you know, just not playing as freely as we always used to see Rory play. Uh, you know, just bring the club back and swing through. Got that little hitch at the end where he gets that little extra jump on the ball, and uh, I'm I'm happy for him that he played well at Augusta, um, especially holding out from the sand and then followed by Colin Marikawa doing the same thing, but. Rory played great. He had he was the only one with no bogeys on Sunday. So I hope this is the start of something for him that says, you know, I can play at Augusta. I know I had a lead at one time and everybody was thinking I was going to win, but, you know, I played second this time. I fought my way back into the tournament. I hit some great shots. I had no bogeys. I was bogey-free on Sunday. Uh, I just hope it's a start of something for Rory that he's needed to have confidence in himself and let himself swing freely. And, and Rich, it's kind of like one of those things with when Tiger Woods was so dominant, nobody remembered second place because he was so far ahead. I mean, Rory put together one of the all-time great Sunday rounds, right? I mean, sixty-four uh, on a Sunday—that uh, was one of the all-time great Sunday performances from a guy at Augusta. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, to to be there at Augusta on Sunday, shoot a sixty-four on Sunday to tie a few others who have done it—it's uh, just an incredible round of golf. And he looked at ease. He looked comfortable. He looked like he, you know, was just swinging the club like he used to that we all remember him doing. Uh, but it was an incredible round for Rory, only overtaken by Scotty Scheffler. Rich, the one thing that stands out to me about the Masters is, I mean, it is the storylines, right? You got so many different storylines. You talk, you talk about, you know, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Shelby. You talk about Rory. You talk about Tiger Woods. You talk about the Part 3 Challenge. You talk about all the different guys that try to make, you know, the previous winners. I mean, what stood out, you know, the most to you from this year's Masters, especially when, obviously, Tiger Woods dominated the storylines when, uh, when his private jet showed up in Augusta? Well, I think, obviously, Tiger stole the show as far as, social media and the other media outlets just showing up and then being able to play uh, shooting one under on Thursday and then making the cut on Friday. Um, I mean, it showed a little bit on Saturday and Sunday as far as his walk was concerned, but I mean, you give the guy a lot of credit. I mean, nobody expected him to come back this soon. Uh, whether or not we see him again at the PGA is, is unclear. I think it's probably going to be the open um, at St. Andrews when we see him again. Uh, but 
That's incredible. Um, he, he did a great job. But Scotty Scheffler just was so steady, so strong. Um, I mean, that's a big story there. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was the rookie of the year on the PGA Tour. Uh, a year before that, he was he was on the Foreign Ferry Tour playing up at Savannah at the Club Car Championship. So, I mean, this guy's come a long way in a very, very short period of time. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, joins us here on 3 and Out. Rich, this week, the RBC Heritage, I know they fired the cannons uh, earlier today with that ceremonial tee shot. Uh, what do you expect? I mean, uh, this has usually been a pretty good tournament the week after the Masters when you would expect some guys to have a big exhale like, whew, I'm glad that's over, but you really get a great tournament uh, at the RBC the week after the Masters. Yeah, you do. I mean, Angela McSwain and I have talked several times, uh, along with Steve Wilmot, the tournament director, about Hilton Head is very much like Sea Island and the RSM, that, you know, the golfers like to kind of come and relax, bring their families and, and do family things, you know, in the water and the pools, in the restaurants and in the, in the parks and so on. So RBC has got a, a usually has and always has a great turnout. They've still got five of the top 10 players that are playing this week. Defending champ is Stuart Sink. Uh, tickets are sold out. So, I mean, it's a very popular tournament um, on a very popular golf course. And lots of former winners are going to be there this week. DJ, Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson, um, several others. Um, so Scotty is not in the field this week. I think he deserves a little time off, and I think he's going to take that. Uh, but the odds are favorite. Uh, if, if you look on any of the betting lines, is that everybody's the top four are going to be Justin Thomas, Colin Marikawa, Patrick Cantley, and Cameron Smith. You never know what will happen at Hilton Head. Uh, we've seen some exciting golf at that course, and it is a course where your driver is very key uh, to keep it in the fairways because they're narrow and tree-lined, uh, but then your short game and your putting has also got to be able to take over. And, Rich, I mean, you talk about it, you talk about a term like the RBC Heritage. I mean, you talk about the fact that these – it just shows how great these golfers are. They want to get away when, you know, it's more of a, you know, bringing their families to get away, but they still out there trying to go out there and compete. Is that what really separates the good from the great? The great can go out there and say, look, man, even when I know I'm trying to give my family a chance to have, to enjoy themselves, I'm still a competitive golfer at the end of the day. Oh, I think everybody that goes out there is, is, is competitive. They're not going just to, Hey, I want to bring the family and, you know, if I make, I make the cut. I think every guy in that field is out there to win. Uh, I mean, that's in their DNA. Um, you know, when you played football, every game you went out, you guys wanted to win. When I played baseball, same thing. Go out there and you want to do your best. And you want to be competitive. And, you know, you're only four rounds away from winning a PGA tournament. So you never know. This could be your week. This could be the week that you've never had before. And this could be the week that would give you a PGA Tour win. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, our guest. Rich, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. It is. I thank you, guys. Rich Stiles joining us here on 3 and Out, and what a story there by Scotty Scheffler. Four wins in his last six tournaments. That's, as Rich said, that's Tiger Woods stuff. Uh, been back in the day where you hate – that's like the ultimate and bad comparison. It's like the next quarterback that comes out and remotely kind of sort of looks like Tom Brady. Like, oh, that's very Tom Brady-like the way – like, that's so not fair <laughs> to do that, but four out of six is so hard to do on the PGA Tour. Listen, I mean, I, I, think what, I, think, I think the thing about it is, Kevin, too, is it's how he does it. 
I mean, he put he put such a gap between him and second, and he and like you said, I mean, a guy that doesn't shoot a lot of bogeys, a guy that shoots with par every other, you know, parties par and birdies is all is all he's gonna do. And he has a really really calm game. I mean, people ask why do you need a cushion? I mean, that last hole. I mean, I know his nerves was going crazy, but I mean, he wasn't in, he wasn't in danger yeah. of not winning that green jacket. But I'm always, you know, Tiger was. Tiger has been such the face of golf since he decided to turn pro that it's been hard to replace him. And a lot of guys have ch- have tried to replace him. But this is how good Tiger is. This is how good, you know, Sheffler is. Oh, Rory, you didn't hear nothing about Phil Mickelson. Nothing. Like the whole tournament. Yeah. That's how good these guys were. That's how good they playing. But, hey, man, I mean, uh, the chef. You know, uh, is you know, I would love it if they you know keep you the know master you know, chef, master <laughs> chef is out there getting them done. But hey, Kevin, I mean, is he the new face of golf? We will see. But because you know how it is, you win the Masters, then, oh, this guy's gonna be. But it's one tournament. He did his thing. You know, I mean, and and the way he's the way he's uh, winning these tournaments is something to see. The goal was now is can you keep it up? Can you keep that number one ranking? Because once again, when it comes to golf. You know, you always going to be compared to Tiger, but that that's that just comes with the program. It, it certainly does. We've got more to come here on Three and Out. Stick with us all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back here, Three and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Coming up, final hour, home team. Brandon Lee going to join us. Hawks in the play-in game. Braves off to a 2-3 and three start. I got the Nationals coming up a little bit later tonight. Got the RBC Heritage going on on Hilton Head this week as well. So, plenty to get to coming up in the final hour of the show, Ben. As we look forward to talking. I'm going to ask him. I saw a picture on Twitter of him holding up some bling. Had that bling. It, had didn't look, bling. it didn't look like the bling that the fans got. I'll ask him if it was, but it did not look like the rings that the fans got last night. It looked like the real deal. If I, I'm gonna ask this man. You don't want the replica. I, I want that thing. If that if that if that's that real thing, Kevin. Like I said, I'm gonna I mean, ask him if 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 it was a glitch in the system. They got they call your phone, Kevin. What? Is this is Kevin Thomas. Yeah, we want to know what to send the ring to. Do you go which ring? Do you talking about that real thing? It's the real thing. We oh my god! And would you, if you got the ring, the you know world champ, world series championship ring? It's the real thing. Do you wear it, and how often do you wear it? If it's the Braves championship ring, I would wear it. Uh, uh, probably a lot. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I, I and I don't and I don't wear jewelry. Really, I what that. I mean, but for that, I, I mean, mean that, that's not even listen. That's for the haters. That's for all these fake, you know, uh, Marlins fans and. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays fan. Because the thing is, come on, man. People that go, man, I've been a Rays fan for South Lion. Just don't, don't give me that nonsense. But it's, it is nice, though. When they, when I, when they, when they unveiled it, I was like, ooh. Yeah, they spared no nice. expense they, on that they, thing. Listen, listen. I, even, all the diamonds, all the gold. It's nice. I was saying, they had diamonds. They had rubies in there. They had all kind of stuff. I mean, Look, I, I'm not a big ring wearer myself, but if I got something like that, I'm like, look, man, I mean, I'm... So I'm, your equivalent would be the Super Bowl ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, How long I, would you wear it after you won the Super Bowl? Or would it be like, I'm every time I go to an NFL function, I'm putting yeah, it on? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If, I, if, I'm going, if I'm going to a are function... Are you wearing it out in public to, nah, to flex? No, nah, so, nah, somebody will rip my wrist off of that thing. <laughs> but I will say, I would I would try to wear it as much as I possibly could. I got a chance to play with David Givens, uh... He won two of the, of uh, Tom Brady's three uh, first three Super Bowls when we got him, and he showed us them. They was man, they, he had him in like a bag. 
They're like huge, man. And it's like, I, I look at now, Kevin, how crazy can the rings get? Because now it's all about the diamonds. Like diamonds, rubies, gold everywhere. But the Braves one, it is nice. Yeah, it how many nice. can you cram into this thing and just make it sparkle and shine? And it's, it's very, very nice. Freddie Freeman, sorry, bro, you're going to have to wait a little while before you get yours. We're going to get it to him. I mean, Freddie Freeman, I mean, obviously when he comes to yeah. town, it's gonna be, they're going to do a tribute. They're going to give it to all him. All right, if you're on the Braves, the Braves are going to L.A. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you come out and warm ups with it on? Because they're not giving Freddie his until they come to Atlanta. Uh, so the Braves will be in LA this time next week playing the Dodgers, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you're on one of the Braves, do you wear it in the warm ups while the Dodgers are out there stretching and things? Hey, Freddie, what's up? I mean, I think. I just kind of. I mean, like, oh, I'm sorry. Did that blind you? Yeah, Acuna or somebody could, because he's not. Gonna, <laughs> well, you know, you know, but I, you know, I don't even know. I don't know if him and Acuna are the, are the best of friends. Well, apparently, days. yeah, <laughs> best of friends. But I, 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 just, I just think that. Uh, Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Tuesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Home team, Brandon Leak. Host of Home Team in Hamilton will join us coming up in just a little bit. We'll ask about this start the Braves are off to. Also, the Hawks and the play-in game against Charlotte. Do they have any magic? And not the Orlando magic. Do they have any magic to continue a run like they put together last year? He'll join us coming up in just a little bit. And apparently, well, the what a lot of people already knew, the Washington football team not good at, well, <laughs> being a football organization Yes, at the end of the day. We'll get to that coming up as well. Yeah, the, the Washington Commanders, I mean, listen, they're trying to get as far away from the Washington Redskins football team. They do it. Might be trying I, to get away from the Washington football team. Yeah, listen, <laughs> at, the day, listen, listen, at the end of the day, you had a lot of scandals. When you start stealing from the people that pay tickets and the, and the, and the team you playing, not even you, Daniel Snyder, can avoid that. <laughs> There's going to be a, a great story to follow. Uh, on that whole situation, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But the Braves tonight, uh, we'll have them for you coming up uh, just after we are done here on 3 and Out. Going to have Bryce Elder making his debut uh, tonight, a young man that played at University of Texas. Apparently, he's got uh, some some nice pitches. A lot of folks talk very highly of him. Uh, but it's your Major League debut. Six games into the season, Braves blew through two guys last night, Ben, that they thought might be candidates to be that sixth guy in the rotation. Obviously, that didn't happen, so they had to make a couple of roster moves, and Bryce Elder gets uh, to the Major League debut tonight. 14 games in 14 days, why the Braves are trying to do this. A lot of people said, why not just pitch Max Freed in his turn and, 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 and go from there? Braves elected not to do that. They go with the guy making his debut tonight. Yeah, Bryce Elder, look, just like a Ian Anderson a couple of years removed for having his, uh, you know, his first start. Against none other than the Yankees. Second start came against, you know, the Boston Red Sox. I think when you – the 14 games in 14 days, uh, Kevin, it makes it tough. It makes it tough because you're like, look, this is unusual. Got to get a lot of games in to kind of get back to the regular schedule. But I think Snit is saying, all right, we're just trying to get through this two-week gauntlet. Then we'll try to get back to some normalcy. And if you're a guy like Bryce Elder, I don't I don't know what it's like to get – because baseball is such a unusual sport as far as, like, getting called up. Most guys never get that call. Bryce get the call. Listen, and, and this is a this is an opportunity when you talk about this Braves starting lineup. Look, man, you know what you got. You know, well, Ian Anderson, he, he kind of got beat up a little bit. You know what you got to Max Freed. I mean, you talk about Charlie Morton. You talk about supposed to be a six man rotation, and it's about healthy bodies. You want to have healthy arms. You know, down the stretch, we only the six games in, and you already calling guys up. Well, I mean, I think they're trying to do that to save some of that, and yeah. the, the, you know, counteract the the shortened spring training. I just. 
you know, after two bad performances by Waskari Noah and, and Ian Anderson, you kind of burn through the two guys that were already there to kind of be this guy uh, tonight, and you kind of wonder if that wasn't some, I don't want to say bad, I mean, just won a World Series. But, I mean, in the moment, some bad manager, managering, I don't even know if that's the thing, bad managerial decisions to kind of burn through both of your options there that you had to go and, because there are rules, you can't just send guys down and bring them right back up. That's yeah. part of the that was part of the CBA uh, that they said. Look, you don't want guys going up and down, up and down, and let you you know manipulate uh, what they're doing. So I think the guys that got sent down have uh, got to be gone for ten days at least before they can be called back up. So this is not just a hey, we're going to do it today, Bryce. You're going to pitch tonight, and tomorrow you'll be right back in Gwinnett. No, you can't do that. So uh, I, I think this was an interesting kind of tactical move that the Braves went through here this early uh, in the season to dive into some of that young pitching uh, down in the minor leagues. Well, Kevin, I, I always ask this. I mean, I'll divert to you and I. How much of this is st- – look, you always working on strategies when it's time to baseball. You're always working on, you know, be- best, best, best practices. I know it's only five games into the season. When you go, all right, man, let's start utilizing some of these – you know, you always hear about the one thing with the Braves. The farm system, the farm, they got the best – well, they did. They're system. not anymore. But I mean, but yeah, well, one, well, yeah, one of them. Well, well, at one point they were. If you talk about a situation with Snit, Snit got criticized last year for how he be doing. Who's going to be starting? But when you talk about when you talk about you know Watch Cardinal, we talk about Ian Anderson. You are projecting they're going to give you two quality stars, and when they don't, you're like, all right, dude. Like, what do I do? I don't want to throw them back out there because let's face it, these guys. You always tell me this, Kevin. Certain guys for the regular season. Certain guys, they are for the postseason. <coughs> Excuse me, and, and the goal is to get them there healthy. Now I know they're gonna pitch a lot. It's only five games in, but if you are snit, I mean, you in a no win situation. Everything the Braves do this year will be highly scrutinized because they are the defending World Series champ. So everything they do. So when the Braves lose, yes, the Braves ain't the only teams losing. You know, eleven to two, ten to one. But the Braves got dominant. I get it. I get it. But how much of this, Kevin, is just saying, look, let's start going through some of these strategies early. That way we get in the middle of the season, all-star well, break after. You know, we've already had some of these guys, too, because you always trying to get these, you know, p- pitchers who may have been a – Ian Anderson got called up way earlier than everybody thought he would. Turn, turned out well for him. But how much of this, Kevin, is seeing what you got in some of these prospects you got in this I do think system? that some of – I think it's more of what you just said where – uh, you're trying to make it to the postseason, and you you can't plan can't plan for the postseason early enough. I know, especially if people say you're going to contend. And I think you look at, hey, it was out of control relatively early, and Spencer Strider gave you a bunch of innings in the middle. And I think if you're Brian Snicker, you're going, do I really need to use AJ Minter and Will Smith or a Kinley Jansen in an 11 to two ball game just to get us through, or do I use these two guys that are stretched out to be starters? to pitch me six innings to get this thing over with. And I think that's that's the route he chose. Now, it did cause a little, you know, roster kerfuffle that they had to work around and, you know, make some things happen to get uh, pitching for tonight. But I think that is – and if that's a, a trend that continues, I'm okay with it because I think you look at how the postseason is managed now. Max Free gave you four or five innings, and you turned it over to that bullpen who was lights out. Mentor, Will Smith. Now you have Kenley Jansen. Luke Jackson, and these, and you want those guys to be f- as fresh as humanly possible getting to the postseason so that you can really utilize uh, your pitching staff to the fullest degree because you get more off days in the postseason than you do, obviously, in the regular season. So I think you don't want to burn guys early, and I think that is uh, the 
was the temptation last night is, look, we're five games into this. I don't want to already be six games in going, well, I've pitched Will Smith three days in a row, and I've pitched – and it's not just the do they get in the game. People forget about that is they got up, they warmed up, they threw, they sat down, they got up, they warmed up, they threw. Like, how many times does does that happen? And it goes unseen during the uh, the regular season. So, bit of an interesting strategic move by the Braves here the last night or two. We'll see. Again, by all accounts, Bryce Elder, going to be fun to watch. Had a very good spring and is highly thought of in the Braves organization. Obviously, you're thought of if you're getting called up uh, to make a start. But we'll see. Again, I I think it's an interesting move by the Braves early. And again, I think this is all being done to not unnecessarily use those guys that you're going to lean on, Matzik, Mentor, down the stretch to try to close out potentially a division. Try to close out maybe a playoff series and say, man, remember back in April we just threw them 16 out of 19 nights? That probably wasn't a good idea. So I, I, I can only assume that was the thinking going into what happened yesterday. Well, yeah, Kevin, and look, I, I, I get it. You know, you talk about a guy like Snit. Let, let, let's just call this what it really is. No one thought Snit would be this good. Like nobody. <laughs> like, 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 we be talking about Snit like when Snit had what forty some years in. When when he when he got called up, I think like thirty seven. Yeah, 38. so you start saying to yourself, "I remember that." Like we was like Brian Snick, what? But then you got to say to yourself, "Well, dude, they had to scramble." So now that Snick gets to say, "I mean, I'm a you know I'm a World Series manager." How many guys gonna get to say that? And there are guys that got way more experience than Snick. I get it, but I think every time Snick makes a decision, come on, man, we we're very very tough on the Braves. No matter what they do, pitching, bullpen, lineup, and Snick realizing, dude, Snick gets to be a manager during the social media age. Oh yeah, we was rough when there was no internet. We was rough <laughs> on Bobby Cox. So I just think that sometimes Kevin, it just comes down to, no matter what Snick does, like what is he doing? But like he said. Everything with Snit is predicated on quality starts. If my starters are giving me five, six, seven innings, then everything goes smooth. But it's something about, man, games get out of hand now. Baseball, second, third inning, it's it's out of hand. Like, what? A team will give you eight runs in one inning. It's bad. So now you're saying, all right, like you said, what you even said about Jansen and, and Smith, and, you know, Will Smith, and I used to do it. I ain't finna waste y'all. I'm not going to put y'all out there if the game is over. So I, I do get it. I get it. When it comes to Snit, when he win, you know, it, it, we win in, you know, in spite of Snit. When we lose, it's because he's making <laughs> the worst decisions. But I get that part. But it has a lot to do, Kevin, too, with the fact that you got a team that's won the NL East the last four years. And obviously, with five games into the season, you know, people like, you know, we, we talking people like, you know, uh, uh, BJ bent it off a cliff yeah. already. Get off the ledge, BJ. In just five games. He should be feeling better this time. I and mean, they're, they're two and three. Yeah, it's fine. I think there's got to win the series. There's been know? times when they yeah. were one and six. He's yeah. going, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if his team's got it. I don't know if they're gonna, if they're gonna get it done. I, but no, I, I think it's been a good start. I actually was talking to somebody the other day. I said, look, kind of been a decent little start here. It's like you know playing 500 ball. And as uh, I, I've said a lot, you don't want to. Worry about the division and, and the postseason in May and April, but you don't want to go one and eighteen either and put yourself out of it. Where you have to crawl out, i.e., what the Hawks did uh, when they started. You know, they put yourself in such a tough spot that the best the Hawks were kind of hoping for was maybe they could get the eighth spot, and now they're in the play-in game uh, coming up tomorrow against Charlotte. So I think right now, if the Braves are sitting there five hundred for the first three four weeks, who cares? I I, I think that's good, solid, cons- consistent baseball. And that'll put you in a position to to come 
closing time, which is obviously August, September, be there to get something done. We've got a lot to get to. Home team, Brandon Leak, really excited to talk. I, I want to find out if he got actual bling or if that's the replica ring uh, that he was uh, throwing up there on, on Twitter earlier. We'll talk to him about this Braves team, about this Hawks team getting ready to play Charlotte coming up in the play-in game as well. He will join us next. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. You can also catch us streaming live on ESPNCoastal.com and see us uh, live on video. See our smiling faces here on this Tuesday on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We've got the Braves and the Nationals coming up 6.05. We'll have pregame coverage a little bit later tonight. We are efforting home team. Brandon Lee, host of the home team and Hamilton show. Look to have him on here momentarily. Want to ask him about this Braves team and the start they're off to. And also this Hawks team coming up on Wednesday night. We'll play versus Charlotte in the playing game. They have anything left. Uh, in terms of postseason magic, I think we have a uh, home team. Home team, Brandon Leak joins us here on 3 and Out. Home team, welcome. How are you? Gentlemen, thanks for having me. I'm having a blast of a day. I, I, I bet you are. I wanted to ask you because I saw you post on, on Twitter a little bit of Atlanta Braves bling. Is Now, is that the real thing or is that the, the rebel? Because it looks like you got the, the, the real Holyfield there. Well, you know, it's... Uh physically in my possession, so I'm going to say it's real. <laughs> the, uh, we actually had the uh, two gentlemen, uh, one uh, that works with the Atlanta Braves from the creative side, Insung Kim, and had uh, a gentleman, Chris Boitris, from uh, Jostens, who actually made the rings, and after the interview, they presented us with the replica rings that they were handing out last night to fans who were entering the game. All right, hey, I, hey, I'd be blinging it around as well. If, uh, you know, a lot of Braves fans are going to be... Uh... Uh, wearing those to the ballpark, I imagine, all summer long. Hey, you put light on it, it shines, so it's real enough for me. <laughs> I mean, I, Brandon, I was about to say, when you think about it, when you think about it, when I, when I saw the pick, man, how big is that thing in person? I mean, I'm, I'm like, it looks like a, it looks like a four-finger ring. I'm like, how big is that thing, I mean, in person? Ben, I don't know how they measure them by weighing them in ounces or grams, but even the replica ring, um, they, they really did a good job of just taking care of everybody. When I say everybody, um, you know, obviously the players and the staff got their ring Saturday night, but also what the Braves did, uh, support staff within the organization and even people at our station on 680 The Fan who are part of the pregame and postgame shows, the Braves went out of their way and gave them a step down, but their rings are personalized just like the players are, and, you know, when you want to talk about a first-class organization, making sure they took care of every single person who's been a part of the journey uh, with the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, you have to give them a whole lot of credit. Home team, Brandon Leak, joining us here. Braves off to a uh, two-and-three start. Uh, home team obviously had to make a move uh, after using two guys people thought would be that six-starter. Uh, last night, what do you kind of make of the Braves start uh, to this point? Obviously getting ready for a big road trip against San Diego and L.A. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're just off to a slow start. You can't point to arms being stretched out yet because that's everybody because of the lockout 
and the lack of time that the pitchers had to get uh, loosened up for uh, spring training this year. I think the one thing that's a little bit off, and I don't think it's a point of concern yet, is the, the lack of run scoring that through five games, the Braves only have one game where they have scored more than three runs, and that was a 7-6 win they had over Cincinnati in the first series. Every other game they scored three runs or less. So um, you're, you're just not seeing the guys get out to the hot start that you thought they would. The Braves got off to a slow start. They were 4-8 and eight last year uh, before getting their act together in August. But, uh, you know, Eddie Rosario and um, Austin Riley had bad nights last night. Um, Rosario's had a tough season. He's batting 59 for the season. And even um, Adam Duvall, who's a big part of the push, uh, he's a little slow out of the gate. So, you know, until they get Ronald Acuna Jr. back, get somebody settled in the DH position, which probably will be Marcelo Zuna, you know, they're just going to have to plod their way through this and see if the bats can help out on the night the pitching is off and the pitching's going to have to help out on the nights when the hitting is off. Me home team, Matt Olson. Obviously, everybody gonna be comparing him to Freddie Free until you know maybe the, uh, halfway during the season. Maybe he got a nice. I mean, he's only five games in, but how do you assess you know his play thus far? Fantastic start. Um, you know, he's finding a way to stay on base. After the first series, he was eight for fourteen. His uh, on base percentage is over six hundred. So he's one of the Braves that's finding a way to wreak a little bit of habit, has already uh, left uh, the yard with a home run, finding walks. So he's doing everything he can uh, to help the Braves score runs and, and, and you know, kind of get some offense generated. The Braves have had some hits in some of these games, but they just aren't scoring the run. So Matt Olson, along with Austin Riley, along with Ozzy Albies, you just got to figure as time goes on, the bats will heat up and then the runs will start to come. Home team, Brandon Leak joining us. So tonight we get a guy making his major league uh, debut. I know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Snicker played a couple of guys at Tucker Davidson, uh, Spencer Strider last night that people thought might be a, a, a six-man option. But is this simply about not wearing out the strength of your team, which is going to be that bullpen come August, September, October? Yeah, and, um, you know, it's really interesting. I think even like last night, you know, uh, Davidson was supposed to start today. And, you know, because things got a little sideways late, he had to eat up some runs and eat up some innings. And so when that's going to happen, uh, the Braves playing 14 games in 14 days, just back to back to back on nights where, you know, things get out of control. You're just going to have to leave somebody out there. Uh, Snicker also said that he wanted Max Freed to end up with his regular rest times. I think it was more about not rushing Max Freed, even though it was his turn in the rotation. Um, making sure that the days that he had in between starts was in the right place. And so I think, you know, getting a healthier Max Freed, uh, he wants to have a bounce-back performance after his last time out. And if he can get Max Freed and Charlie Morton rolling, I think that would be a good way to settle things down for the Braves this early part of the season. Brandon, switching gears to the Hawks. They got a playing game against Charlotte. What do you, what do you, you know, how do you like their chances against, against Charlotte? If they do uh, make it to the playoffs, do they got some of that 2021 magic still left in them? You know, Ben, that's, that's the issue. Um, the Magic just hasn't been there. They've been so up and down. When they play well, they look like they can rock anybody in the NBA. When they play poorly, they can lose to anybody and lose badly to teams. Um, I expect them to beat Charlotte. I'm expecting the Nets to win, and so they'll, they'll end up playing, if that scenario goes uh, that way, they'll end up playing Cleveland. So I expect them to punch a ticket 
to the postseason. The issue is they'll be showing up playing uh, Miami next Sunday. But I think tomorrow's game will be very interesting because Charlotte can score a lot of points, and the Hawks score a lot of points too. Uh, Charlotte is number one in the NBA in transition offense, and the Hawks are 26th in the NBA in transition defense. So I'm expecting a 133-128 shootout inside of State Farm Arena tomorrow night. That's awfully scary if you're trying to move on in a one-game scenario. But uh, as you said, I mean, this is largely this, for the most part, it's the same roster with with Nate McMillan. What's been different about this team that they were able to, to, to find last year? I think it's just chemistry and focus. And there have been some really strange quotes all season long, you know, from early in the season when Trey Young said, uh, the regular season was boring to Clint Capella saying we don't have guys who are defensive-minded to uh, Kevin Herter saying we probably need a few more veterans on this team at one point in the season um, to Danilo Gallinari. You know, we don't know where we're going to get night to night. And even from Travis Slink, who said he made a mistake by bringing the exact same team back. So there have been some eyebrow-raising and head-scratching quotes but the truth is, over the last two weeks, they have looked like a completely different team. They look like they aren't bored, and they are finishing out some of these games the way a lot of people expected, expected them to. Uh, you just can't be a, a team that tries to turn it on and turn it off when you want to. And hopefully that, that version of the Hawks that we've seen throughout a lot of this season is gone, and the team that was a scrappy team and finishing teams off last year on the road has returned. They are a young team, um, but they do have veterans, so it's kind of a mix. The core, you know, John Collins and Kevin Herter and Trey Young, they are a young team, but going into next year, you know, Trey Young will be a Hawk for five years. Uh, John Collins will be a Hawk for six years. So even though they are youthful, they are not inexperienced. And you would think that all teams over the course of NBA history, they, they have to take their lumps. And this was a step back to even be in the play-in tournament. is just really shocking after the way that they ascended uh, to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals last year. And so hopefully they've learned their lesson. I, I really think that what needs to come here, and I don't know who it is or how you get it here, but there needs to be a number two option, a definite solid number two option to play alongside Trey Young, somebody who can create their own shot, can get to the cup, where everything doesn't rely on Trey Young having a big night or hitting 36-footers if things are tight. You need a one-two punch. It's been fun to watch these guys grow and, and the ball movement and having five guys in double figures. But when you get to money time, you know, it, it's a one-two or one-two-three punch that's going to get you to the end and over the finish line where the Hawks want to be. Just from what you kind of shared with us here, do you think last season went to their head a little bit? When you, you know, I, I, at the Hawks, when you hear the regular season is boring, I would kind of say as a franchise, who are you to say the regular season is boring? Uh, you know, did the last year kind of go to their heads a little bit, thinking it was going to be a little bit of a, of a cakewalk into the playoffs? I don't think that's unfair. They, they, they are arrived last year. So I guess the battles that they went through and bringing the exact same team back, they, they should have felt like they should have gotten off to a better start and been a higher seed. But just some of the defensive lapses in the third quarter, and, 
you know, teams where they just didn't get up because they looked at the, the, the record of the other team, you know, those are not things that are good habits to build a championship team. And you look at Miami and you look at Boston, they play defense every single night, no matter who it is. And look at the other night when Miami had pretty much locked up everything, they still played their starters because that is the mentality and the mindset of their organization. So hopefully it's a lesson learned. Um, the, the, the silver lining is you just have to play two games to get in. But once you get in, you do have a lot of playoff experience from last year. And hopefully you could draw on that, stay healthy and execute and have a great playoff run like you did when you shocked a lot of the NBA world. And Brandon, finally, when you think about, you know, you know the draft coming up, Falcons got pick number eight. We have the, I don't even look at mock drafts anymore. Anybody that got a platform got a mock draft 2.0, 3.0, Is there any shot that this Falcons team, if a defense, if the defensive player that they covered is not there, if the receiver that they covered is not there, do they go quarterback at number eight? You know what, Ben? I don't think anything is crazy. I don't think it's crazy to take a quarterback at eight. I don't think it's crazy to take a defensive end at eight. I don't think it's crazy to take a wide receiver at eight if you're talking about maybe picking a quarterback next year and having Kyle Pitts and a top wide receiver to have the new quarterback come in and have some targets to throw to. I don't think it's crazy for the Falcons to trade out of eight, uh, maybe pick a quarterback for somebody else and pick up a couple of draft picks uh, moving forward. They are in such an interesting place that there are no wrong answers. And I think that's the silver lining for the Atlanta Falcons is that for the first time in a long time, the GM, the coach, they can completely construct this team the way they want to. They can go defensive heavy, offensive heavy. They can try to be a balanced team. They can pick a quarterback. They can pick a defensive end. Um, it, It really is an interesting space in Falcon history right now. And I think the bottom line is, how much time will it take for them to get them back to being competitive is what everybody who's a Falcon fan will be watching to see. Home team, Brandon Leak, host of the home team in Hamilton Show, 680 fan there in Atlanta. Our guest, home team, always a pleasure. Thanks much. Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Home team, Brandon Leak joining us here. Got him a little replica bling. I was showing that off uh, earlier. As he said, hey, it shines in the light. It counts. It's mine. I, I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel the same way. I mean, when you think about – you know, Kevin, that's the one thing that uh, you know, we don't we don't uh we don't take into context when you look at a team like the Braves been so long since they've, you know, obviously, you know, been to been to the top of the mountain. But the fan the fans are always on the minds of, of teams now to be able to say, how can we make bring the fans in? And like I said, listen, we you saw you showed it to me with Brandon. I mean, if I'm Brandon, I said, listen, somebody said, Man, you got a ring, you saw me, right? Where your ring at? Yeah, I got mine. <laughs> so at the end of the day, he got a replica or not. Yeah. He got a shot to Brandon. Absolutely. I think they're going to do it two more times uh, this season, two games uh, where they're going to give the uh, replica World Series ring out. So I know those will be hot items amongst uh, Braves country. We've got so much more to come, including the Braves and National 605 coming up a little bit later tonight. But uh, Ben, we're talking a little football there at the end. And, well, one football team continues to find new ways to amaze, and not in a good, not in a good way. We'll get to that next. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. And earlier today, one NFL team just getting more bad news, and they, I, I, I say. 
I, I, I'm trying not to sound sympathetic because they really have brought it upon themselves, yep. and that's the Washington. I, the Washington Commanders. It sounds like they're playing in the XFL. The uh, I, the Washington football team. Uh, they apparently just they, they stink at being an NFL franchise. Yep, or at least. Well, no, I, I would say it's Dan Snyder, but apparently they, they, they've been they've been. Arc, I mean, and, but apparently and it, everybody in the building is not good at what they do. The Washington, the Washington <laughs> Commanders, a congressional committee said they engaged in unlawful financial conduct, owe visiting teams money, and potentially season to go. So let me get this straight: your season. T- I mean, I, I hate to say I understand. I can understand I want to give money to the opposing team. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. But you do commercials, advertising, marketing. The fact that you have season ticket holders at all, and think about if you're a season ticket holder and you look at this like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, like, they number one, they probably overcharge y'all. Number two, they ain't giving y'all your money back or whatever they're supposed to give to y'all. But this is the thing about Dan Snyder. I do not know how long he's been the owner of the Washington Commanders. If there's ever been an owner that has screamed, I don't deserve to be an owner anymore. <laughs> I need y'all need to get me up out of here. Because the thing I, about it is, I'm not gonna get into all the allegations that he's had. But I'm saying, that, but you, you've literally had the full gamut. But, but but let's face it though. Okay, what has Washington done as of late to give you any? They, they what they drafted RG three. What they had, they had Rex Grossman at one point. They had Donovan McNabb at one point. Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins. But it's the thing. What has Washington done of significance lately? They don't. They don't do anything. Well, you could you could say they're the worst team in the NFC East. Dallas, they're not going to win anything. Good Brandon. The, the Giants have won a Super Bowl, and the Eagles won one more recent than the Giants. What is what does Washington do? They fill a slot. They always in the news for things that don't got nothing to do with on the field, right? They don't have a quarterback right now, right? I I just think that for me. Kevin, we always say, what is a sign of good franchises? No off-the-field stuff. Definitely not coming. Let's think about it. I can understand if a player got to talk about an injury or a game or a teammate or a coach. We're talking about not giving money to the season. Yeah. What? Like, yeah, apparently, what are we doing? According to the Congressional Committee, they said the team withheld ticket revenue <laughs> from visiting teams and refundable ticket deposits wow. from season ticket holders. So you bought a On ticket. top of the fact wow. that you have the most toxic workplace, apparently, in the, the history of workplaces. Yes. I mean, look, uh, and you know what it's going to do? Once again, okay, every time something happens with the Washington Commanders now, crazy to even say, they're going to get to talking about everything. They're going to get a track with They also did this. And they also did this. It's almost like, I think right now the Denver Broncos, I think they, they're the current franchise that might be up for, for, for sale. It's about to be two. About to be two teams. <laughs> on the, and here's the thing, Kevin, I will say this now. Now, when you talk about tradition and prestige, they have it. The Washington Commanders have it from location to history. But as of recent, now, and people and people could be saying, well, Ben is doing all this stuff. They're going to go for cheap. No, they're not. They still ain't going to be cheap. You... Easily, I ain't you know four billion. It's gonna be a lot to get them, but Dan Snyder, I, I just I just don't understand it. Dan Snyder and I and I you might have to uh, uh, check it, Kevin, but I think his wife is the one responsible for the pink. When you do when you see the pink in the NFL, it's because of his wife. I think she did that initiative. So they are a part of some good things. It's just a lot of bad stuff. And this is just the current. I mean, if I'm a season ticket holder and I'm about tickets that I didn't even get my money back for, it, I think, well, maybe it was because of because of COVID. No, it, it 
It was not. <laughs> Stick it in, oh in their back pocket. Goodness, man. Come on. And I will say this. I understand that wealthy people are quote penny pitches. I get it. <laughs> but come on, Dan, man. You gotta do better than this. They have a few more pennies to pitch <laughs> than the rest of they us. They do. Uh to, to, to say the least. But yeah, I mean, that's just an unbelievable as you said, I and there has been precedent, albeit for a different reason. I mean, the NBA did make what, who is it? Uh, Donald Sterling sell the Clippers. So, I mean, you can, if there's a, enough, yeah. to say, look, this. I, I guess this would be the equivalent of collegiately lack of institutional control. Like, listen, Dan, you're being accused of withholding money that's not yours. We call that stealing in a lot of places, right? You have who knows how many workplace discrimination <laughs> oh, lawsuits, you, you, oh sexual goodness. discrimination, oh, all, all the kind of stuff that, that you don't want happening in your front office. It's all out there. Like, I think you could make a case if you're one of these other NFL owners go like, yeah, like you probably aren't running this thing the way you're supposed to be. You probably don't need to be, and be an owner. I, 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 and I, I could be answer. wrong with this. Is this just a current thing? Because it's almost like, what is it about Dan Steiner and the Washington Commanders? First, you had to change your name, and that was a big debacle. Okay, you're going to make us wait two years. That's fine. You want to – boom. Then you're losing sponsors, right? That's the only – let's call it what it is. He only changed the name because he was losing sponsors. That's number two. Then you're talking about the sexual harassment stuff. That just, Who knows? That's probably still going on right now. Now, you're stealing from your freaking – Fans, it's like what? It's like what? What are we doing? And opposing teams, and opposing teams that so, you're sharing money with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now, listen. What's gonna make those opposing teams say what? Yeah, man. Why? You know, I mean, listen. It's, it's tax time. Everybody getting their tax done. Make sure you get done. If you are the Giants, if you are Jerry Jones, if you are Philly, you saying, man, this money coming up short. Something ain't right. <laughs> and they saying, and it's something about these. What? What, what happened? And and they played Washington twice. But I, I, I Are you think lying that, about your ticket revenue, Dan? Like, hey, Dan, what? Hey, man, I, I got some discrepancies going on. Was that? Hey, man, I, you, man, oh, we I didn't don't sell what, as many tickets as you think we did. Yeah, man. I said, <laughs> I said, you know, we, we, you know, like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Talk, talk about that. <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, Dan Snyder has survived a lot when it comes to the National Football League, and a lot of it had to do with Kevin was the fact that the things he was doing wasn't affecting the bottom line. But now you're talking about the bottom line, so. It's really going to come down to if the other 29 owners are going to step up and say something about it. But Dan Snyder, once again, opposing teams. Now you're talking about the fans. I mean, Mr. if there was a, if there was ever a, a moniker for Mr. Can't Get Right, it is Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders. We will see what happens. Yeah, I mean, and this could be just the beginning of this story as it unfolds. we got more to come here on this Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you all here, three down on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Braves coming up here in just a little bit, 6.05. Patrick Corbin for the Nationals. And Bryce Elder going to make his major league debut for the Braves tonight after uh, the Braves said, hey, we're going to go six-man rotation, pitch both of their options uh, that we thought they had last night. So they had to make a couple of moves and – Get Bryce Elder up, and that's the life of being in the minor leagues. Hey, you're getting called up. Guess what? You're playing now. <laughs> so <laughs> go get them. No time to sit there and think about it. Of course. I mean, and Kevin, the thing is, too, right? I I think about if I'm in if I'm in the minors and I never get that call. And and obviously, you know, you have to see other guys when they get called. If you get used to the guys you playing with, but if you are Bryce, you know, you look at the Ian Anderson and go, look, no one look, man. Yes, it was a shortened season. 
Yes, the Braves were down some starters, and they call up Ian Anderson. Ian, listen, you're getting called up. But they got the Yankees. No, you got the Yankees. What? Then, I, But I think, too, Kevin, when you think about this Braves team, right, everybody got Everybody had to have their starters at a certain point. No one, no one says when you're going to get called up. What do you do with that opportunity? Because, yes, I get it when you're talking about how deep this Braves lineup is. No Julio Tehran anymore. No Mike Fulton Avery. We, like, you don't even, we don't talk about Mike Fulton Avery. It's like, it's what, a, a couple of years removed from Mike Fulton Avery? It's Go, several years, Never yeah. to be seen from or heard from again. So I do think that being a starting pitcher in baseball might be the hardest position in sports because it's so unpredictable. It's like, dude, you got the goods, you got the stuff, and it's almost like one bad outing. Kevin, you, you talk about a guy like Scherzer. Talk about a guy like DeGrom. We say, it's Max Friedneck. You say, you can be, but that's consistency. And it's hard to be consistently elite in baseball, but you're talking about a guy like Bryce Elder. He's saying to himself, all right, I get to start. Let's go do it. And nothing like a, nothing like having a quality start because, listen, you still – even though Brandon Holmes, he said, listen, he only scored over three runs one time. You know this lineup is going to find – you know they're going to find their niches. Ronald Lacuna, you're going to be coming back. But, look, a guy like Bryce, go out there and get him because regardless of what happened – you getting to start for the World Series, whether you was on the team last night or not. Yeah. If I've never seen the Braves, I said his name was Elder. He's starting tonight. That's a that's a very, very unique place to be, man. But obviously it's easy for me to say, I ain't got to stand in yeah. front of no major league battles. I don't got to throw, I don't got to throw that slider or that sinker <laughs> or that change up. But go out there, because Kevin, like you say, who knows what a quality star could do, not just for the rest of this lineup, but for this team. Cause I think this team. Wants to get into a road, and we always talk about getting on a road. It's freaking five games into the season, yeah. but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think obviously the offense is going to come around. I think sometimes in games like this, you saw it last night. Uh, the the young man for the uh, the Nationals was making his major league debut, and lo and behold, uh, the Nationals popped off eleven runs. Who's to say uh, the Braves can't do that? And sometimes that kind of sparks a little bit of something with the offense. Like, hey man, this guy's making his debut. We have to help him out a little bit. Uh, you know, score some runs for him, help, you know, make his transition a little easier. So we'll see if the offense can get going tonight uh, for for Atlanta. I think you know it's there. As you, as you said, three runs or less in all but one game, that's not going to cut it for a lot of teams. And yeah. this Braves team, you look at that lineup, you say this lineup is too good to not be able to score a bunch of runs. And I, I will say this, they've had, at least from my time getting to watch them here short shortly into the season, they've had a bunch of fly balls hit that warning trap. They've had a bunch of balls be almost out. And maybe it's just one of those early in the season things where, hey, in June, July, weather gets a little hotter, those balls travel a little bit farther, and those warning track shots become home runs, and all of a sudden you're not worried about this Braves team scoring runs. But I I do think this is a team as currently constituted, and I say that minus Ronald Acuna, can't score runs. Uh, As he said, Dansby's in a horrible funk. Uh, Rosario's batting uh, somebody's age. You know, that's not good. Uh, 59 is a bingo number. Oh, 59 is a bingo number, and that's it. Not your batting average. So, you know, he's got more to come. Adam Duvall, to, so if some of those guys start getting things rolling, this team can put together some big numbers. And I hope for, you know, Bryce Elder's sake, they give him some run support, and it's not, hey, man, go out there and pitch a one-hitter, uh, which, you know, has happened in the past uh, with, with guys, but it's your major league debut at such a, a special moment, and, you know, you only get one of those, and you want it to go out there and be a memorable one, and you're playing a team that's, quite frankly, not expected to do much. I mean, again, they're going to win their share of games. They yeah. got over on the Braves last night, but this is a team that, with the lineup behind you, you don't even have to hit anymore, Bryce, so you don't even have to worry about that. 
just go out there and pitch and give your, uh, a team a chance to win against a lineup that you should have some success against. Absolutely. And, I, and listen, I'm rooting for him. I mean, Kevin, this look, let, 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 last year in 2021, there were times you didn't know who the hell was pitching. Like, literally, <laughs> you're like, who? Because, Kevin, you're like, I don't, I don't know who this dude is. I don't know when they got it. I don't know if he got to the team. Last night, Bryce, go out there, have a quality start. You're going to get some, you know, you're going to get some, uh, def- definitely going to get some offensive firepower. And, hey, Kevin, even get you, you know, five, six innings. Hey, man, go out there and prove your worth. It's easy for me to say that sitting behind this mic, but, hey, it's, it, they call it MLB for a league. They call it the big for, for a reason. You obviously got the stuff. You got, you got that call. Go out there and show what you got. Absolutely. We'll have that for you come up. Bryce Elder, Major League, Major League debut against Patrick Corbin tonight of the Washington Nationals. Braves, again, a divisional game, so you'd love to kind of doubly get a win tonight after what happened Last night, appreciate home team Brandon Leak joining us here in the final hour of the program. Also, Rich Styles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, talked about what do you call him? Chef, Master Chef, Master Chef, Scotty Scheffler winning yes. the uh, winning the, uh, the the green jacket. Of course, you got the RBC Heritage on Hilton Head this week, and also David Waters Gators breakdown. You got the spring game on Thursday night for Florida this week, as uh, Georgia, Alabama, a lot of them have it on Saturday. So Florida moving theirs up to Thursday this week. We will see you tomorrow. Braves after Braves baseball. Afternoon game for the Braves. Braves coming up here in about five minutes. This is 3 and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network.